Welcome y'all to the Black Hoof Saloon, a Wild West Exodus podcast. Mosey on up to the bar and get yourself a bottle of fire water or a glass of sarsaparilla and listen to some good old yarns about adventures of law dogs, outlaws, and weird creatures. So set a spell, water your ride or your rider, and get ready to tune up your posses. This is the Black Hoof Saloon. howdy howdy all you drag riders out there and welcome back to another episode of black hoof saloon this is eric here and i'm joined as always by my co-hosts brian and tom hey all right we're back again and uh first off let's start off how you guys doing uh what do you guys been doing in our current shape of the world our our lockdown our quarantine um i don't see no zombies out there yet so i'm a little disappointed yeah i, I you know i thought that we were getting to be post-apocalyptic here or something and uh, <laughs> instead it's you know uh just me staying at home working yelling at my kids a lot so <laughs> uh you know not not quite uh as adventurous as tv would make it out to be yeah yeah so you you still have to do the the homeschooling with the kids and work at the same time then yes and my brain has basically turned into mashed potatoes <laughs> there's a reason why you forgot all that stuff many many years ago right oh my god and god so uh just so the listeners know we were supposed to record two days ago and Brian and Eric were sitting there waiting for me, and then the next day I was like, "Oh crap! I know I asked an hour and a half beforehand, you know, what time we were doing this, but I forgot. Like, yeah, I, like I just I didn't fall asleep. I didn't. I, I just forgot an hour after I asked when we were doing it. So <laughs> sorry about that. You, so yeah, you're it was so funny because Tom was like, "Hey, we're gonna get this started. Let's get this done." And the... <laughs> yeah, me and Brian are like. <laughs> Have you heard him? <laughs> I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> <laughs> so your your brain was literally just turned to mush from all the algebra and biology and uh, I I was still awake. I was playing PlayStation. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was slacking. Is what he was like, doing. Like, like I, it, it wasn't like I fell asleep. I just forgot an hour after asking, "When are we doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that that that's kind of been what my month has been. Uh, there's just not much going on upstairs anymore. <laughs> Brian, you're you're like me, right? We're we're essential, so we're still going out into the wastelands. Yeah, we're still essential. Still, still. Uh, okay, so in, here in Houston, the uh, what was funny is the city, the the county was like, okay, everyone who can stay home, stay home, and you know, restaurants were all closed and then, you know, then it was like they formalized it like mandate. It was like, okay, well now we're really super serious y'all. <laughs> and here's a list of businesses that are essential. And that Monday there were more cars on the road. <laughs> <laughs> so like, let's say put the list out. People were like, well, crap, we're essential to 
Well, I don't <laughs> should think... never have not been at work last week. You know? <laughs> I, I don't think that um, a lot of thought was put into the initial plans that happened because things happened like here in Pennsylvania. They shut down all the truck stops. They said truck stops oh. are not essentials, but truckers are essential. Right. And then they had so, to figure that one out <laughs> you know, <laughs> truckers are all like i gotta pee so, you know this is you know i gotta get gas and you know maybe a sandwich <laughs> so, yeah uh that you know, initial week they begged everyone to stay home so a lot more people stayed home that first two weeks but then it was like okay this is going longer than two weeks uh, all these essential businesses need to go back to work and and then a lot more of the restaurants turned around and decided Okay, we're going to do to-go orders, even though our business model isn't to-go orders. We're going to make it work, and so they like sectioned off parking lots and try to make it, you know, safe for people to drive up, order, and then. Well, I mean, wait for I, their stuff. They they really didn't have a choice. I mean, when you look at the restaurant industry, if they didn't do that, they wouldn't exist anymore. They'd yeah. be out of business. Yeah, right. so. some of them are struggling still. That's why it's good that the you know the political spectrum is now discussing, you know, let's get back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you know, it, it's there, there's, you know, a hundred different opinions out there and, you know, everyone's got a, you know, this doctor, that doctor, epidemiologists, um, you know, and they've all got different things. Uh, a study came out from Harvard just today that said, we should, we should be in quarantine until 2022. I'm like, you are freaking out of your mind we you would never see, sur- you, never you survive post-apocalyptic yeah. wasteland that would be it yeah so uh you know right. I, so I, I tend not to listen to any of the ones that are touted by certain news broadcasts yep and i and i stick to like the obscure you know scientists that you know they're <laughs> They're not affiliated with any of the political key guys, you know. They're not, they're right. not And I listen to those guys because those guys make sense. It's like the doctors that like post on their own saying, "Hey, I've got 800, 800 patients, and I've been given malaria uh, this malaria medicine with the zinc, and they're recovering faster." Yep. It's well, I mean, technically that's... still anecdotal. But it is actually working. <laughs> well, and that, that's what I don't get. I mean, we, there's reports coming worldwide that countries are doing this and it's working. And we're sitting here like, no, we need human testing for the next 18 months. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, come on. I, you know, um, use your brains a little bit and say, hey, if another country has already figured this out, let's not reinvent the wheel. <laughs> so, but, as you know, the Trump bad man said it. Okay, we probably shouldn't get this political. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, how about we do this? Let's let's switch gears and go to yeah, something we'll... a little more fun and positive, <laughs> and talk about talk about our our lockdown projects. So, I mean, it's a little harder for me and you, Brian. We're still kind of doing the same routine that we normally do every day. But I mean, there's a lot of people out there using the opportunity, uh, staying at home, to work on you know, their, their projects, their projects that they've been putting off or catch up on like a backlog of minis. I, I mean, I know you, Brian have been painting more, even, even though you're still working it. I mean, there's this one thing. Um, I don't have the things that were keeping me from my desk. Aren't a problem right now. Not as many distractions. 
Yeah, I'm I'm getting a little time here and there to sit down and work on some stuff. So so yeah, I finished uh, Tom one of Tom's models. Yay! She's done. The only thing left is to put on some clear coat, you know, protection. But her base is done. After I hit her with the varnish, I'll be able to do the. She, uh, she looks great. I like the flat varnish, by the way. You know, the the, the matte. <laughs> and this this is Brian's talking about Nakano. <laughs> we'll have to post a picture of her or something uh, up on the the Facebook group and. Uh, uh, yeah, so people can see it because the colors you chose, I thought were very interesting that you, you basically went, you know, you did some research, a little bit of, uh, uh, looking up some reference material and you, what'd you say you based it on? Like Ming, Ming dynasty. Okay, so the, the leader, uh, the emperor of the celestial, you know, uh, faction is, is me, you know, he's, uh, really old the, the, the merciless but he's uh <laughs> the so the mean dynasty is still living <gasps> even <gasps> right <laughs> so what i did is i researched the mean dynasty and they had some pictures of different kimonos from that time period and they had this you know very most turquoise green with yeah. some purples and uh of course the the Celestials, other colors that they tend to use is, with the rising sun theme is red and gold. So I kind of went with, I, I picked up the turquoise, the purple, and the red and gold. And so her her theme is those four colors. And unfortunately, not much of her is going to be matte because the, her, <laughs> it's her all armor. Silk. <laughs> yeah. And all the armor is going to be glowing gold. So I'm, I'm not going to dull it. So yeah, she's not gonna have very many dull parts. Uh, you you do you do you. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying dude. the base. <laughs> so in a way, Tom, uh, your your lockdown quarantine projects, you're living through Brian working on your minis, right? Um, yeah. So uh, interestingly. Even though I'm working from home full time, uh, I still have three kids at home. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my wife actually was in an off limits quarantine for two weeks because oh, wow. she had she had something and the doctors didn't know what. And she's like, well, should I get tested? They're like, no, we're not going to do that. So just isolate yourself. So it was I was kind of single dadding it for uh, two weeks here wow. with the, the three kids at home. And that's basically why I have basically my everything stopped working in my head so you uh, you, you, you <laughs> didn't break out every family's favorite game monopoly and let them just duke it out for park place we've we did a couple we've played a couple of things um we played uh batman villains talisman um we've played uh we've been playing pokemon cards okay <laughs> because my my eight-year-old can play them you know we've kind of just been going through and trying to play some different board games and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm in, you know, family entertainment mode, I guess, for yeah. the most part. And, yeah. uh, by the time, you know, I'm done with work, then I have to go and do a day's worth of school with my, uh, youngest daughter and, uh, then cook dinner. And basically I, I've just, gone to sleep so <laughs> uh so so i've had 
it, very oddly, I've had less time uh, yeah. since this has happened than before. So I've done nothing as far as hobbying, although I've probably played more board games and things like that than I've played in years and years. Well, that's that's the one nice thing. You kind of uh, there's a lot of families out there that hopefully are taking this opportunity to reconnect with their family through you know board games or even the video games. You know, you can sit together and play that stuff online. I know I've seen a lot of people doing a lot of stuff online, whether it's gaming or uh, we we've actually seen a quite a few uh, like a, a an uptick in like YouTube videos or just online content, you know, streaming services and stuff like that, where people are getting together and doing online role-playing. And uh, I know some people were doing board games and we were briefly talking about trying to set something up to do, you know, uh, don't spoil it. We're still doing it. We're still doing it. Okay. (laughs) I'll I'll leave it as a teaser. (laughs) We're, we're trying to do something online. Um, But I mean, like with when this kind of first all started, I was just starting to do some more unboxings, and you know, I I got more motivated uh, after you know they started closing stuff down to put some more videos up for people. You know, are stuck at home. What am I going to do? You, you know, there's only so many times you can play Monopoly, or you know, you need a break from doing the same monotonous things. So. Uh, I did did manage to get up uh, four new videos on the YouTube channel. If you guys want to check those out and like and subscribe, hint, hint. Um, <laughs> but so I've seen a lot more of that kind of stuff. I, I, Me personally, I've been watching a lot more of the content that's out there. So I, I guess that's what I've been doing. I've been using the opportunity to kind of just dive into more content that's becoming available out there. Huh, I should probably take mute off. As you as you said all that stuff and there's just silence. No, that's all right. <laughs> so anything else interesting out there that you guys saw on uh Dark Council? I mean I've been seeing, like I said, a lot more content online, a lot more a lot more painting going on, I've noticed, Brian. Yeah, there's some new people sharing their their painting, which is always good. Yeah. Yeah, inspire people to uh, work on their so it stuff. It like the quarantine allowed people who hadn't jumped into the game uh, jump in the game. Yeah, yeah, you got time to actually there are new, new figure people it out. Who said, I just picked this up, you know, and there's definitely more people who hadn't had a chance to finish painting something and, and were able to get it started or finished yeah. during their quarantine. Well, hopefully we do finish the quarantine up soon so we can get those those game stores open again and people can start planning their events and game days and whatnot i mean i know i i was supposed to i had to cancel uh my last event before adepticon and then of course adepticon got canceled so we had no u.s masters tournament and you know i know there were some other events planned there for all the players that were going to go and so it's kind of a sad thing, but I, I'm looking forward to the stores to get open uh, soon so people can start getting out there. And like you said, people that are uh, new to the game and are using the opportunity to kind of dive into it and explore it can manage to get out there and actually 
get it on the table and try it out. Yeah. Some of the other interesting new things is the, since you mentioned Adepticon, the Adepticon model or the new promotional model is out in the public and it's a lost, a lost world Exodus exclusive. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was one of the things I was kind of disappointed in. No Adepticon, I missed out on getting it firsthand. So, but, but for those of you who are listening, you probably already know, or maybe don't. They they did extend that model on the store all the way through Adepticon to Gen Con. Yep. yep. So between now and when Gen Con is supposed to be, if it's if you know we don't know. That's yeah, stop, that's still all up in the air. Now and then, that model is in the store. So, because typically those, typically those exclusive models they do at the conventions every every convention season is only available online during a certain weekend, convention. Yeah. yeah, that was real. That's cool that they're doing that. But let's point out for everybody though, though even though it's in the store, it is being reprinted. That yeah. thing sold out really quick. Yeah, it did really fast. <laughs> we haven't even said who it is, so uh, we can save it for the news. Let's talk about it now. <laughs> news, 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 news. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot I did uh, that jingle. But yeah, so Teddy Roosevelt is the Lost World Exodus model. And he's 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 uh, brings a friend to the table. Yep, yep, yep. And we'll uh, we'll go more into detail of him. Yeah, when, we can do that. when we get into all the other new releases we got in our news section. Well, I guess we're kind of rambling on. We can go ahead and get out of our little banter intro, and uh, we'll dive into some of our segments here and. Go ahead and jump into our smoke wagon here. So stick around, guys. We got two epic bosses for you guys that we're going to pit against each other. Go ahead, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Listen, mister, I'm getting awful tired of your... I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. I said throw down, boy. All right, guys. In this Smoke Wagon Showdown today, we're going to pit two epic bosses, like I mentioned earlier, against each other out in front of the saloon. And today, we're going to take a look at a boss from the Union and a rather, not really new, but a redo of a boss from the enlightened. So we're going to look at, Oh man, he's starting already. (laughs) We're going to look at Custer and Kyle, the black today. It's not really a redo. He's like a rebox. Yeah. Rebox. He's the new bossy box coming out. Yeah. So we figured we'd talk about him. It had nothing to do with him being enlightened. Really? Sure. (laughs) Brian, I, th- I think we can all t- agree probably right now you're going to be the tiebreaker. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> hey, you were t- you're the one that off off uh, off recording was talking about Custer's sweet ass mustache that he has and his luscious <laughs> locks. Well, they're beautiful. Uh, I mean, Actually, you brought Eric. You brought up the curly hair locks. Yeah, I did, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so even you, even you have been 
brought in by the beauty. Well, he does have for Custer. he does have that special rule for the boys, but uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here right now. <laughs> hey, he's for everybody. He oh, is for man. everybody. <laughs> so what? Why don't we start with Armstrong Custer of the Union? God, let's. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start off. Armstrong Custer for the Union is a go over a little bit of his card he's a boss he's a commander we got that new keyword for lost world union human male brigadier which uh, i'm not sure what that exactly is it, it's just a key keyword right that's gonna be uh lost brigadier. world one. Okay. yeah brigadier, brigadier is a one-star general okay so okay. so he would be above the commander i would assume so, and then general, or unless that's brigadier general, it kind of skips down brigadier the line. General. Okay. It's a two-worded term. Okay. Yep. And then looking at his fortune, so he has a whole lot. He has eight. Eight fortune. That's Is that the, the most in the game for a character, is eight fortune? Yes. Okay. So he's got a lot to, to work with. But on, there is a little... Uh, pin in that we'll get to that in a little bit he cost 190 which isn't too bad for a boss he's unique of course and then why don't we go ahead and go over his uh his his stats there his little chamber there brian all right so he's uh quickness of five uh mind of six got an aim of six a grit of six a fight of seven and has a limit of three okay so he's you know very typical Speed on foot uh, has a pretty, you know, above average mind, and his fight of seven is really good, especially when we jump into his his weapon, his weapon options. Yeah, uh, yeah. His six is also pretty good. It's nothing to laugh about. Once we get into his uh, his special rules, <laughs> all of that will be subject to change. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tom, you want to start with? Uh, which, what do we normally do? Okay, I, I, common I, rules. Common rules. Common there we rules. go. See, I knew you were up. I knew you were up. <laughs> common <laughs> rules. No, no, I'm going first. You shut up. You your weapons next. <laughs> <laughs> the unit has the following weapon. common rules. Metal, the quick the of the dead, and target priority. <laughs> So all I, right, I've I've done my part here. So I think it's it's fair to note which most of your your characters in the game that are bosses and faces have the ability, well bosses anyway have largesse. Custer does not have largesse that lets him share all that fortune. Now that's something that's unique to him. There's a couple other characters where they don't have that ability, but he he's got that that thing if in his theme posse that one of the abilities is if you fill that posse out then he picks up largesse so he can he can share that crazy number of eight fortune with his posse right so he's like really good solo yeah <laughs> and but he won't help his troops if it's not a theme if it's not the forlorn theme so it, it's basically a way to balance that that number yeah you know? Is like yeah, eight that he can only use. It really does limit, you know, the, the model being able to use that much. You know, yeah. 
So that's one of the ways it's it kind of balances out. So especially if you decide to take Custer and load up with supports and vehicles, uh, you know, uh, like a rolling thunder, or you're not going to have not going to be able to do that in his theme. You know, you you were you know, so you're not going to be able to throw all that fortune into those heavy duty, you know, options in the, that the union has. Yeah, right. He definitely, but he definitely becomes a sweet, sweet option for a second boss as, as, as as a solo, he can be quite strong and we can go into why as we go through his special roles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before we jump into special, let's go, go ahead and do his weapons. So, uh, as I said, with a fight of seven, you you know, he's going to have to bring some kind of melee weapon. So we'll start with the officer saber, which Grants him a parry and it crits uh, to de- decapitate range of one inch. So you can, you can stretch it out. So it's a long sword. Uh, you got a pierce of two and a rate of attack of one. So that's fairly, fairly typical for uh, a melee weapon. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's officer saver. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. The parry is nice and, to have too. Yeah. It's an often forgotten um, <laughs> <laughs> use. Definitely keep an eye on your melee options. If you have parry, you definitely want to use that in case you get, uh, you know, get into engagements. Uh, so now his range weapon is plasma six shooters. So he's carried two pistols. They have revolver fan, close work, and crit hazardous. Uh, range 10 inches, pierce of th- minus three, which is really nice. Yeah. And rate of attack of three, which is also very nice. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. I mean, just the having revolver fan as an option with those kind of uh, stats for the rate of attack. That's he's gonna be throw. He could be throwing a lot of dice at you. Well, you also remember he's got eight fortune. Yeah. So he's got no reason not to revolver fan. No. Every activation. No. So at least one of his aimed attacks coming at you is gonna be six of those pierce three shots yeah <laughs> you know and throwing hazardous on you which then becomes lethal because you're going to already carry it <laughs> when he attacks you the second time yeah so yeah no it's 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 very useful and his overall com- combined abilities and stuff definitely make those weapons even better you know yeah. once you start considering all the other things he can do so why don't we go with special rules? Okay. Uh, so again, we talked about like his specials definitely make him even shine more. I mean, obviously the eight fortune, you're already thinking, oh my God, this guy is so badass. It was like, well, just wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> his weapons are good. Uh, his stats are, you know, aren't amazing, but they're, they're decent. And now we get into why those decent stats actually get better once he's on in the field. So he's got inspirational, which uh, any friendly unit except for this model within six inches may reroll a single die during their activation. So huge, huge ability. So yeah, yeah he may not be able to give largesse, but friendly units are going to be able to take a free reroll, which is very useful. Yeah, you just got to make sure that you kind of keep uh, the rest of his posse units fairly close to him. That six inches. You know, you, you could forget about it and get somebody outside of that little bubble to get that re-roll. Right. You, you basically, it's it's a little b- bubble around him, 
you know, it's impossible for you to keep his entire posse around him. So yeah. you definitely have to, you know, when you're thinking of tactics, you definitely want to remember that people can go near him to get that boom, right? Mm-hmm. So he can't walk around. He's not going to be able to walk around with five different units just hugging him like that. Yeah, yeah. Especially since uh, when we get to the, some of the other abilities, there are going to be other units that got to be close to. <laughs> yep, yep. So his next one is form up on me. So after both sides have deployed, this unit and a hands unit within three inches get the trail finder special rule. So that's a nice one. You get a little jump start at the start of the game to jump out on the board and, you know, get closer to that objectives that are out there, whether it's, you know, treasure hunter or stake a claim or any of those, those, you know, where you have to get to the board and secure a token. So I, I like that but, ability. What I like it is it's, it's not just him or not just the other unit. It's both. Yeah. So it's definitely a very useful tactic because then you're, you're not leaving somebody out there on their own. Uh, well, Interestingly, also with form up on me, you are already within that range for inspirational. So uh, right from the get-go, you've got some synergies there. Yeah, definitely. And and some more. Can we go on to the next one? Yeah. Yep. So uh, we'll cover the next two together. We've got yes. for, the, for the ladies and for the boys. Uh, they both work the same way. But for the ladies, any model in the unit may add plus one to their grit, fight, and mind if they are within three inches of a female human model, uh, excluding models in this unit. And for the boys are the same, except if you're within three inches of a male human model. So uh, you have form up on me. You're within three inches of somebody. They are also within six inches for their uh, inspirational reroll. And Custer is getting the plus one to... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, any model in the unit gets plus one to their grit, fight, and mind if they're within three inches. So uh, basically, Custer uh, himself would uh, get that plus one to those three. So my question to you guys is, do for the ladies and for the boys stack? Yes! <laughs> there we go. Look at him, boy. He's excited. So, so, yes. <laughs> so... So, I'm, Brian, I'm Brian you talk about, about all the uh, fun things here and, and how good he becomes. Right. And that's one of the things you have to remember. Now, the downside of that is the troops, the Union troops, are male. There are no females, so they don't carry the female tag. And his forlorn posse is basically all – they're all male. Yeah. So there's no way for his, his posse to bring these – these females, right? Now, things to consider. Obviously, that doesn't exclude you from being able to bring another boss, right? Yeah. So as you build your posse, you take Custer, you fill him out, and you load him up, unlocking his largesse so he can use it, helping everybody out. You can bring Willa Shaw yeah, as a female, first, as the other boss. First one. Now you have that female, and you keep them two near nearby each other, and you're going to have that synergy where he's going to go plus one on grit fight and mine. Right. So his fight's going to go up to an eight. His mind's going to be up at seven and his grit is going to be a seven. Now it's easy to have male models near him. Right. And that triggers the, for the boys, it stacks on there, bringing his mind up to eight 
his his fight. Wait for it. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> and his grit update. So yes, definitely. If you can work it out, you tag team him with a female model and a male model. Now, here's another thing to consider. It doesn't say friendly model. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think of that. So when you are taking him into melee and you have to and you're you're you you outpace his his models that grant him the boon, whoever he's hitting is gonna give it to him. Okay. So that's another tactic. Damn. Think about it is hey, yeah, don't need to always stick with your dudes if you know now I'm running into some combat. I'm going to pick up for the boys from the guy I'm hitting or for the girls because I'm attacking a female model because it doesn't matter whose side that model is. So so basically he's getting this bonus regardless of his own or an opponent's uh, yeah. because he's being a show-off. <laughs> basically. Right. <laughs> He's like, check this out, ladies. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's more in the lines like, remember when we uh, we were teasing about you were like, oh, and he's got the best stash and he always curly hair. It's <laughs> no. more of it. He's just he's just that distracting. Yeah. He's just right? so beautiful. He's so yeah, damn he's beautiful. So, <laughs> he's so distracting. He's so charismatic that people are taking. They're just a little. They give him the advantage, basically, in the combat. They're they're a, a little in awe of him, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So his last special, which again, going back to the whole, all of his specials just layer and layer. Yeah, they do layer. Is gamble. Now, yep. when activated, this unit may discard the action card and draw a new action card from the deck. If it does, so the new card is applied immediately. The unit ignores their action limit for this activation. If the new card is equal to or lower than their original action card, then they receive the stunned condition, even if they may not usually be stunned. And their activation ends. So this is the same thing Doc has, Jesse James, who we discussed it before. Huge ability, right? Especially when you also tactically make sure you have somebody in his posse or along in the force that could peek at your own cards. Yeah, put them in a different order. Uh, you know, yeah, t- tactical brilliance allowing you to put them in the order that you like, or shrewd strategist so you can just check it. Right. Yeah. Get the top card. If it's a good one, keep it. Especially if it's a one. If you're about to activate your boss, right, or custard, if you know it's a one, then you know gamblers. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Right. Right. But the thing to consider is when you do this and you succeed, he won't have a limit. Yeah. Yep. And he has eight fortune. And he has enough fortune to help him produce some results, right? He'll get a lot done on that field. (laughs) Especially in concert with some adventure cards, you know, that way you, if you plan it well, he's going to do some, something pretty gross because his plasma six shooters, multiple shots, you know, now potentially to have four or five shots off in an activation is just gross. Yeah. He'll do some work. Yep. 
as he as he does one of these and you know tosses yeah. his luscious locks around he tosses his locks he he strokes his beard oh man <laughs> you're enamored with him right now oh guys if you remember the first posse i ever built on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> this was it the other thing that we have to discuss so let me pull up so the custard's other because custard can also be taken as ah, mounted. That's right. So when custard is mounted, he has his own card, which adds mounted iron horse and machine to his traits. The fortune stays at eight. The cost goes to two thirty. So it's forty points to mount him up on an iron horse. His quickness changes to eight and his grit changes to seven. So they all go up a little bit. Well, it, it just basically the quickness and the, and the grit, uh, the grit. typically oh, okay. are affected when you mount up. So, you know, obviously the eight is the standard iron horse speed. Yeah. Grit seven is just basically saying, okay, he was six. He's getting a little boost because he's got some armor around him. He picks up, uh, Gatling guns. So that's special, brutal, and linked. 15 inch range, pierce two, rate of attack of four. Now, because he's driving an iron horse, he can only shoot his pistol one at a time. So mm-hmm. his six shooter drops down to just a single shooter, and the rate of attack goes to two. Did anyone else pull up this card? Yeah. I did not. Does he lose the quick and the dead? Like a lot he of does. mounted characters Mo- do? Yeah, all those, all those mounted characters usually do lose that. He still has metal, but now he's picking up moving target. So as long as he moves at seven inches, he gets that little that little bonus when somebody's shooting at him. Right. Let's see. Special and rules. Does he have anything different with special he rules? He picks up rapid, so he gets a uh, he can focus move actions for no additional costs. So always great. Those are the changes. Is he gets moving target and rapid? Yeah. Uh, but it's the others. I mean, well, okay. He does also get bulky. Yeah. That's right. That's kind of a new standard for those things. You may not get in. You can't use get in move actions or portal move actions, and you can't be hunkered in cover or make climb checks. Yep. And he loses form up on me. Yeah. And mainly because he would outpace. Yeah. He's moving yeah. around too fast. So. So just a couple, couple. Th- it's it's a nice option for him. Right, and and the other reason it's a nice option is one he's known as a cavalry yeah. commander, uh, so this is obviously a way for you to play him that way. And in the Union faction, the Iron Horse unit is a hands unit. Yeah, that's crazy. So you can still take them. So when you you can take him as a mounted posse in the Florida Iron Hope, where you can bring. You know, some of the hands units can be, you know, trio of iron horses. So. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the one you you started with, Tom. How many iron horses you got now? I've only got six. You only well, got seven, six. If, seven if you include seven if you include Willis Shaw. Um, <laughs> so technically, I guess I have seven, and I'm gonna have to kit bash one uh, to mount uh, Custer on it. So I'm actually kind of hoping that they're gonna put one out. So I don't have to kit bash one. 
yeah, they, they've got it. If they're going to have a card for it, eventually they've got to put one out. <laughs> just send me, just send me a custard, send me an iron horse, and I'll get back. <laughs> <laughs> Will you just go ahead and paint it while you have them? <laughs> Why don't you just go ahead and do that? So while we go over his theme posse, then the forlorn hope theme posse. So it's a union force instead of a faction posse. And Custer may take this theme posse if he wants to. If he takes this posse, he gains the largest common rule if all the slots are filled. Uh, with wait, that, wait, wait, wait. Am I skipping? You, you need to pause. He gets it automatically just bringing this posse. Oh, just yep. bringing the posse. Okay. Yeah, he yes. gets it for being in this posse. So it doesn't have to be he gets something else. If he fills it. Okay. Okay. So just, just taking his theme versus a regular faction posse, just taking the theme grants him the largesse. Cause you remember his theme is pretty narrow focused. Mm-hmm. So that's why he automatically gets the largesse. It's like, Hey, that's the limitation, you know, <clears> of <throat> you you're, he's not basically, he's at a disadvantage if he takes the other uh, faction posse. Right? The generic one. So okay. It, it's basically unlocked if he sticks to his theme, which is lots of hands. Lots of hands. So then if he fills all the slots with at least one unit in the posse, then all the units in the posse gain the trail finder special rule. Uh, and he is also the only boss unit permitted in that posse. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, Ability, the whole posse gains trail finder. Right. So, in, in, you know, the, the neatest part of that is he, it means you move up the entire block. Yeah. It's sort of like when you take him and he can do his little trail finder with form up on me. So he and one unit can move up. Well, if it's all, if you get six slots of hands in, then boom. You can have them all move up. You're cutting that board down right away, right, right off the bat, man. Well, and for the mounted guy, it actually, you know, when you lost form up on me, it doesn't matter now. Right. Yeah. It's not a loss anymore, really. And again, you're cutting that board down even better, faster, because you're doing it at eight inches instead of five. Yeah. So, again... We've already kind of hinted at it. Uh, the six slots are all the same. A union hands unit. Yeah, they're all the same. One, two, three, four, five, six. A union hands unit. All right, this is the new simple one. <laughs> forget conquistadors. <laughs> forget all that other stuff we talked about. He gets one thing: union hands unit. <laughs> well, okay. So let's look at the union hands. So it, it's not as restrictive as you would think because there are a couple of things you can do you got some choices you have the union iron horse cavalry right then you have union skirmishers you have union riflemen you have the armored guards you have the armored riflemen and you have attack dogs so you can still have the variety because the union has a healthy number of hands options like you know the the golden army they only have two yeah or three because they can do attack dogs, right? So they only have three options. You know, the order, they only have one hands option. 
Yeah. So, you know, that, that's what the, one of the things is, yeah, he's kind of like his, his posse is very limited in what he can do, but he still does have flexibility, right? He can, he could go mounted. He, he, even if he doesn't go mounted, you can bring a mounted, a couple of units of mounted. Yeah. Right. So it, it, it's, uh, and I mean, then when you consider the mounted, uh, the iron horse has the ability to grab different weapon options. Yeah. That's true. It's a variety that way. I mean, this this posse is kind of a staple mark in my eyes of a, you know, your typical union, stereotypical union posse. You have just numbers, a lot of just soldiers that your boss is, you know, technically commanding. So it's very thematic in, in, in my eyes. Right. So the, the biggest that, that when you compare them to the other bosses in the union options, it's very narrow in scope, right? Yeah. The other other bosses are allowed to bring faces, right? They're allowed to bring some heroes in to support the the hands that they kind of push and all of their things because it's the union. So soldiers are always a good thing to bring, except for Abe. That's one of the neat things about his is it's literally narrow focus we're bringing hands this is a huge troop posse and when you consider other options to add to his posse that's when you start bringing in the flexibility or bringing in some uh, additional heavy hitters so okay are we ready to jump into so that was custer so yeah let's go ahead and we'll go into our second boss kyle the black who a side note has two different models in the game but they basically work the same. So you could either use his regular enlightened model or his Christmas model that he has. You should always use the Christmas model. I, I don't even think that there should be a question about it. <laughs> you like the ornaments hanging from his beard? I do. I have I have strong feelings about that. I love his dog. Oh yeah, the dog is 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 a great addition to that model. That that is the best dog in the game. So, <laughs> I, you know me. I generally am very anti enlightened, but that is a great, great dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle the Black. So he is coming out soon. Uh, he is a boss, enlightened human male, and he is tainted. So he's one of your tainted models that uh, you'll have to do a taint check, if you remember. Something I always forget to do when I play Enlightened. He has six fortune, which is not quite eight like Custer, but it's still pretty high. Yep. He costs 180, He and he is also unique. So let's see, his chamber, Brian, what do we got to start with? Man, he's slow. All right. Hell yeah, <laughs> Pay attention to what Kyle the Black looks like. He's a bit of a chunker. He's a big so, boy. <laughs> he's huge. He's, it, and, and really, he is, you know, the, the girth of him is more like kingpin girth. Yeah. More than <laughs> a blob, right? So he's just a big guy. With a quick of four, it kind of tells you he's not running across the battle. He has a mind of six, an aim of four, a grit of seven, and a fight of six. And brings it all in with the limit of three. Yeah, he's got high grit, but man, that's the quick. That's so frustrating for me. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's so, and the aim of four is yeah. kind of funny. He doesn't have any range options anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So he's he's got three different melee options. He's got servo claws, have brutal, and then special, and crit to lethal, range of one inch, minus two pierce, and rate of attack of two. Yeah, the brutal's nice to have on there. Brutal's nice to have. The special's not so nice yeah. to have. Does limit how many times you can use it, but Brian River. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I think no, I already know which way Brian's going. <laughs> that's a 1.09 add uh, when they started adding special to these weapons. So, yeah, so, you know, he has two other options that are, are pretty good. The meat cleaver is his basically his follow-up weapon. So with the limit of three, the first time you're going to hit, you're going to use several claws. The second time you hit, you'll, if you're, if you're still in range or if you're able to, you'll uh, swing over to the meat cleaver. They have a crit of brutal base to base range, pierce minus two and the rate of attack is two. Again, he's pretty quick with the meat cleaver, right? Yeah. Yeah. With the rate of attack of two on the meat cleaver, that like, that's, just as brutal as the servo claws and picking up brutal, you know, no pun intended on a crit is, is pretty good. So the, the last weapon he carries is the mortician's blade, which if you look at his, his model, he's got three of them stuck on his chest. So the wicked little, little blades. So they have parry, <laughs> decapitate on a crit, base to base range, pierce two rate of attack of one. So, He's got a couple of different options. Yeah. Uh, the Mortician Blade gives him the ability to parry, so which is nice. Yeah, it's nice for, uh, I mean, he's he's a melee guy. Yeah, you know, he's going to get in your face to attack you. Right. All right, so common rules for Kyle. Tommy? Uh, his common rules are metal, target priority, and durable. Notice he also lacks largesse. Yeah, yeah, so no and, largesse for him. And... He lacks quick in the dead. No, that's true. Yeah. Well, I think we already established he's not quick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did pick up Durham. <laughs> he's not dodging out of the way, but he can take a little more. <laughs> he's more or less saying, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So special rules. Okay. So you want to take that first one? Since you're, my, you're of the my 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 favorite thing for enlightened carpathogen. So this ability costs one fortune chip and may be used by this unit once per turn when a construct face, hands, or support unit within six inches is destroyed. So before the taint checks are made, D five of the models from the destroyed unit are returned to the play area within three inches of Kyle. Any model that cannot be placed is removed from play. The new unit counts as having activated for that turn and gains the reanimated rule. This cannot be used against units that are removed from play due to yeller checks. So, big thing here. This is one of those, I, I, I know it's confusing for some people, but it's the, the reanimated rule. If you bring back units this way, they become reanimated. You got to pick one or the other type of thing with them. 
Either you're going to try and reanimate them or you're going to do a taint check. You can't do both. Right. And I know there was confusion over that for uh, quite a while. And, you know, it's it's just you got two choices, basically, is you just got to remember. Um, and you got to make sure that they're close enough to him that he can do right. that. But with that fortune, you know, he's got a lot of fortune, so he should be able to do that, no problem. Especially since he can't share it. Yeah, yeah but he can only do it once a turn, so. Yeah, yeah. So, the fortune really doesn't help there much. What what does give him, it gives him the ability to, uh, you know, re-roll. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, if you don't get, you don't like the D5, you roll. <laughs> you know? That's the true. The fortune can help get a re-roll. That is true. And there are some other things. Uh, so his next uh, special is Death Dealer. When this unit is engaged, each successful hit caused by this unit on an enemy unit they are engaged with causes a further automatic hit on that unit. Automatic hits like these, and from quantities like Brutal, cannot generate further hits from the Death Dealer rule. So, remember he's got the Servo Claws that give him Brutal and Rate of Attack 2, Basically, if he lands both of his ROAs, they generate their own Death Dealer successful hit. That's right. Each one of those two uh, ROAs gets another. So it becomes two, becomes four. Then you add the one from Brutal. From Brutal. Brutal doesn't trigger another one. Yeah. Yeah, Brutal's just once. So he could, just because of Death Dealer, that's a lot of hits all suddenly. To go from two to five. Right. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and then, you know, that's also probably why the Servo Clause picked up special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because Death Dealer is a multiplier for him when he's in hand-to-hand. So it, it definitely, you know, it's 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 a bit gross. Yeah. I mean, I Meat Cleaver's pretty much just as bad as if you get the the crit. You know, if you get a crits where you're getting a brutal, still. Well, I don't know. I, I still think even without the crit, it's still pretty it's bad. A, it's a huge. It's a really good follow up. Yeah. To hitting with the servo claws, if if you can't, you know, get the crit, it, it's still four hits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you hit both, and he's got the fortune to re-roll, so you know he has a good chance of getting at least one or two of those hits on, and you know with the multiplier, it just it just. It's very effective. So, Tom, you got the next one? Meat Shields. It's reaction. When this unit fails a grit check, you can pick a friendly model within three inches of this unit to fail their grit check instead as they are pulled in front at the last minute, ignorantly sacrificing themselves in the process. Models affected by Meat Shields cannot benefit from the Sawbones special rule. And this this is kind of his uh, a big part of his uh, his theme is just yeah he's like he sacrifices his his dudes around him right hopefully minions but you never know <laughs> he don't he don't care <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know yeah harmony ratchet nearby he pulls her in <laughs> she can go disordered <laughs> oh man all right so he's got two more left he's got one of our favorite ones, Brian, Treasure Hunter. This unit adds plus one to the number of adventure cards in a player's hand. 
Should this unit be destroyed, the bonus is lost at the end of the resolution phase. This ability does not stack, so multiple treasure hunter skills in a force still only get plus one to their hand size in total. I, I love this ability. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we go, we both have our favorite guys that have it. So the fact that he has it, again, helps him out, gives him another shot yep. each round, and getting a card that can help his constructs trigger uh, a victory point yeah or help fuel him to get them to do what he needs to do so definitely a, a good add for him uh his last special rule hardy allows him to re-roll failed grit checks so again doesn't have quick in the dead but with durable and the ability to re-roll and grit checks and then meat shields on top of it and then meat shield and meat shield he's he's pretty durable on the field yeah so he's 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 going to be harder to get off the board than initially looking at him, you think. so? Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll get to that the matchup after we talk about his posse. That's got probably one of the coolest names for a posse. Uh, <laughs> it is the Meat Grinder theme posse. And again, that posse box comes out next month or this month, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. And... The box set is three, like, 15 uh, construct hands. Yeah. And Kyle the Black. And then Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basic. There's some basic stuff there, but that's a lot of guys. Yeah. So the Meat Grinder theme posse is an Enlightened Force. Instead of a faction posse, Kyle may take this theme posse. Uh, uh, Kyle gains a largest common rule, very similar to, you know, Custard. Yeah. You got it. Got a lot to fortune, can't use it on your own. But if you take your own theme, you get, you get the largesse and you can share it. If all slots, all six slots are filled with one or more units in the posse, then all units in the posse gain durable. Okay, so everybody so can get durable like him. Similar to the way Custer's theme works, if all six cylinders are full with at least a unit, then all his units gained Earl. Just a great defensive boon. Yeah, yeah. So his his cylinders are not as generic. They they have a little bit of fun uh, you can do in, when you get to the fifth and sixth slot. So we got slot one is up to two enlightened construct units. And literally two, three, and four are also the same. So, you know... He, he has a much easier time of building a huge and versatile, yeah. you know, uh, posse because of the way he's able to bring separated units, right? So he can bring multiple, you know, three to six teams, right? And so they can obviously move around the board a little more. And then his fifth slot, an enlightened construct unit and or a unit with the creation rule. So, big change in those terms, right? You yeah. Hey, you bring an enlightened construct unit and or a creation unit, right? So now he's able to bring in some of the big guns like the creation, creation what, 5, creation uh, 10, creation 13, and everyone's favorite, two heads better than one, creation yeah, 7. So seven. Gives him that ability to anchor his posse with the big guy, right? 
The sixth slot is an enlightened construct unit and or a unit with the construction uh, creation rule. So again, tail end, right? And yeah. Either stick some constructs or bring constructs and a big fleshy monster beast. Yeah. You know? So definitely pick your points correctly. You're going to get some nice little ads at the end uh, and they'll pick up durable if, if they don't already have it. A lot of the creations already do. So. Yeah, those big guys, those creation guys, uh, usually have the durable. But this this is going to be a posse where you do a lot of number crunching. I think you know you're going to want uh, you you're going to want to get to the end there to get those two big nasty guys that will be scary on the field. But in the same sense, you got to go through all those other slots first with all the little scrubs, you know, and you, so you're going to be. Yeah, crunching numbers. Uh, this this posse is like the you know the basic. It could be the basic horde posse. I mean, you could just flood the board with lots and lots of guys. Right. Which with Kyle, it's kind of what he wants. He wants to have all those guys that will let him use his abilities. Of you know, they go down. He can bring them back. Uh, he can have them float around him to basically take shots for him. That's so he can like slowly move up the field. I see his posse is standing against the other enlightened bosses, and obviously, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, since you you play it like more than I do. Kyle's posse is the I don't care about my constructs posse. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Because <laughs> he can only he can only revive once a turn yeah right so he's very much the the flip side from custer known for just churning out bodies and throwing them away to accomplish a goal because that's basically how kyle's doing it he's like i'm marching all these undead out in front and it doesn't matter if they they get wasted yeah and he can't he doesn't have any other resources he can only hope to survive one per turn right yeah so when other themes in the faction enable you to then bring in additional faces and resources that also pick up Carpathian, thus multiplying your ability to save more of your troops. Yeah. Right. Because he, he has to be within six inches of of the dying unit, which again, he's got so many units spread out on the board, he's not going to be able to no. be there for everybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, you basically have more likely pick up the uh, the idea that he stays with the two creations and then he's, he's going to reserve those Carpathians for when one of those creations go down. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. Is that, I mean, that's how I would play it is I'd have Kyle and the creation seven be a tag team melee. You oh know, yeah. I mean, seven is, you know, he's just as fast as him. So they wouldn't outpace each other. And then with, you know, Seven's abilities to kind of mitigate your card draws and stuff like that, that'll help. And then he's he's a scary beast that will, you know, draw a lot of fire that Kyle can do his abilities to bring those guys back when they when they drop. Yeah, you don't if if you take him and do like another boss that's going to bring in those more faces and units that he can have, you just have to be careful that they don't get too far out in front of him and away from him. Like, you know, I thought about in the past bringing Cam 
with his flying. You know, I'm always about let's flyers are great because you can advance up that board so much faster, especially for enlightened. But in that same sense, they're going to outpace him and he's not going to be able to help out whoever, you know, Cam or his buddies. So uh, you just have to be careful with who you pick and choose to work with him. Yeah. So let's do the versus these two uh, bosses head to head. I don't even think there's a contest. Custer's way better. <laughs> That's because you like his his hair and his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, so so I'll give some reasoning though. Kyle is fat and slow, man, and he has, and, and he has no ranged attack. So I'm just sitting back and kiting the fat bastard. He's going to be like, come here and fight me. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to shoot you. I'm just going to keep walking backwards and shoot you. Uh, you know, and that's before even getting into getting onto an iron horse and ripping you up with a Gatling gun. So, so I, I don't even think there's a contest. If it's a one-on-one, um, I don't ever have to engage because you can't catch me. So... So basically, I'm I'm gonna just shoot you, and 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 yeah, you're tough as hell, but I have all that fortune. I've got the revolver found. Sooner or later, you're rolling a you're rolling a one, and you're done. <laughs> so yeah, you know, so so I, I well, just think you also have to remember he's he's hitting him with those plasma things, putting hazard on it. So yep. he's all those grit checks become lethal. Well, yep. what happens when you are being forced to re-roll your, your successful grit checks? You can't use your uh, – you won't be able to use Hardy yep, as your protection. You lost it because you're being forced because you got you know, all these lethal hits coming at you because you got hazard on you already. So so, uh, so I, I, I think Kyle is, is a melee beast. I think there's a lot of situations where he's really good. But one-on-one with anyone who has range – he just can't engage. Yeah, he's 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 going to be outpaced pretty much the whole time, and he's going to be dependent on who is with him. Um, yep, like you're saying, Tom, because they can just basically, you know, na 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 na, you can't catch me type of thing. Yep. So I mean, let me just find a mic around here so I can drop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, one on one. Yeah, you're right. That that that's going to be a. a, a very difficult thing for Kyle to get into melee range. And then even if he gets close enough with all that extra fortune, before he even gets that first servo shot, Custer's going to be able to, you know, veteran instinct, blast him in the face. That's going to be close to five. Yep. So I I do believe in head-to-head. One-on-one. One-on-one. Custer will more than... It's just a lot of averages. There's very few percentage chances for for Kyle to pull out in that. I, I I give I mean I give this to Custer nineteen times out of twenty. Right. I mean I mean, I mean yeah maybe, maybe as a player I do something stupid. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> but, some but, some of it could be you know you can attribute card draw dice rolls to it all. Sure. I mean Custer isn't that much faster on foot than him, but just the fact, like you said, uh, Tom, is that having that range capability, you know, he's, he's throwing a lot of heat at Kyle before he can even get close to 
do any of his nasty stuff. Right. Uh, he doesn't get to play, basically. One-on-one, Kyle just doesn't, he just doesn't get to play. I mean, he is uh, it, he's very defensible, but how defensible? How, I mean, how long can his basically his luck hold up before he rolls that that one whiff that's just like i mean he uh he's got metal you know that's it i i think i think the only way that kyle even really has a chance is if custard decides to use gambler and ends up getting stunned yeah and and that's 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 the only situation and if and if you know that you go, I'm just never going to gamble. I mean, I've got a sure thing otherwise. But, you know, some people like to live on the edge. Some people like to go for that, you know, I'm, I'm going to attack you five times this turn uh, type <laughs> of thing. Um, you know, uh, and I'm one of those types of people. So, I, <laughs> so um, you know, I, I like to make it. Okay. Even if not without Gambler, he's he's got the potential with his blasters to do the revolver fan, revolver fan for the first shot, right? Yep. And so that's six times the, then, rate, of the rate of attack, right? Yeah, it goes, goes so to six that, shots. So isn't that 18? So my question is, how does Revolver Fan interact with the rate of attack? Does he get... Doubles it. It just uh, doubles it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So okay. it goes from three to six. Okay. Then his next, you know, shot or attack is going to be another three. Yep. Right? And then... He is a limit of three, so if he didn't have to move, then again it picks up another three. So it's twelve pierce three shots in his face, all of which you have hazard, hazard right? Yeah. Yep. So that is that is the biggest risk in the in the interaction, right? And he gets those awesome boons from being by, you know, uh, ladies and boys. Well, well that's, and, that's, well, that's, again, it's head to head. Oh, okay, head to head. One, head to head. one on one. He can, Bring in three inches within within three inches of of Kyle, and he picks up the boot. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Kyle does get too close, then he's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> so Custer Custer picks up just for being three inches from from Kyle. But again, he probably wouldn't <laughs> want to do that, knowing Kyle can walk four inches. But uh, yeah, I just think. I do think that that volume of fire is hard to, you know, survive. So. Yeah, I and I think, you know, most games that are dice rollers, it's always beneficial. More dice, your odds are going to be better. Yep, right. And just the fact that Kyle's not getting to that point for some time. So yep. So so that so that's the one on one. Posse so, versus posse. Posse versus posse is a little more interesting. Things get way more interesting. So let's just go with unmounted Custer. So on foot, the downside is Custer has the ability to bring in some pretty big guns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both these posses are centered around bringing a lot of dudes, a lot of hand units. Yep. So it's going to be a, you know, both are going to be a numbers game thing. Right, it's going to be depending on how they decided to focus their their hand choices. Right. Yeah. Uh, the the key on with the enlightened one is they it's any of the constructs, right? Yeah. So that's where his flexibility is going to be is 
is where are the other constructs, right? So you, obviously the the four hands options, the abomination seekers, the widowers, the menials, and the henchmen are considered constructs, right? Mm-hmm. What about some of the other ones? What other constructs are there? So the Hellion hands unit yep. that hasn't released yet is also considered a construct. The uh, monocav. That's a good option right there. He's able to bring in, and even though it's a support unit, his 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 restrictions of construct units doesn't doesn't designate whether it can be support or hands. So he's able to bring vehicles as well. So yeah, they both both of those posses have the options to bring in vehicles. The uh, iron horses are also considered constructs. So the enlightened iron horses. Yeah, the Ulons. So, so Kyle's not mounting up, <laughs> but he can bring some mounted, some some mounted unisons. Uh, the brutes are also constructs, so you can bring in some of those brutes. And that's a good option with their their weapon choices with the flamethrower. You know, to have yeah. that template weapon for the brute squad. The brute squad, <laughs> <laughs> and and also the uh, you can bring some phonic blaster menials if you want. <laughs> well, here's here's a fun one: the big nasty snake. That's a construct. So you got a lot of options. Yeah, he's got a lot of options for all those different slots in his posse. It's yucko. <laughs> yucko. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where Kyle kind of brings it a little more into a, a, a better fight, right? Yeah. Yep. Because he has the ability to not only bring two uh, of the good creations, but he's got various uh, options as... With the constructs. Bringing in contracts. So how, how, expe- how expensive are his hands options? I mean, I look at some of the... Well, um, these posses, and it actually seems like you run out of points before you yeah. run out of slots. Yeah. So his... Yeah, but they're 10 per model. Yeah, they're cheap, and then but the... But each unit has to have at least five in it. So yeah. they start at 50, but... And the other and guys they, are 20. The, so the, they between five and 20. So, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're going heavy henchmen, you, you are going to be able to bring quite a few. Yeah, and like the widowers and the seekers, or obviously you want to, if you're going to bring some of them, they're a little faster. So you know they're they're a little more expensive. So they're twenty, and they go from three to ten. Yeah, those those guys. Well, the the widowers are on the medium size base, so you got to kind of think about that when it comes to spacing and stuff like that. That's those guys though are kind of my go to unit. When it comes to taking uh, hands with the Enlightened, yeah, they're a little bit more expensive, but they they do a little bit more for you. Right. right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the way the most of the hands work. You know, the, the real cheap ones are, you know, you, they're shields. You know, they're you filler. throw those oh, yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> even taking a 10, 10 they are, model unit. I think they shoot worse than stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's a law average. If you have 20 of them and you're throwing 20 dice, yeah. 
you're going to you know, get some, some are going like, to hit. Like you yep. said before, you know, that one's going to sneak in and, you know, ruin someone's day. Uh, so the model calves are price point at six sixty per model and you can bring them one to three. So that brings in that kind of, you know, uh, a filler. If you wanted some heavy firepower, their iron horses are 55. Obviously, if you wanted to upgrade, into some of the uh, different weapons, you're you're going to spend more, but Gatlins are at 55 points per. Yeah, brutal length, rate of attack of four. <laughs> yeah, Gat, Gat, Gatling guns have, are pretty much, I think, the gold standard in this game. Yeah, uh, they they really do seem to be uh, much better than your other options uh, on most uh, heavy units that can take special weapon type things. Yeah, I mean, granted their 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 aim is four, but having the linked really helps. You know, you get that second shot uh, of you know hitting with the reroll. And, and and again, when you can't reroll rerolls, it's useful because it takes away if if you do succeed on a linked reroll, the the opponent you're shooting can't use their defensive rerolls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if they have shrouded you're ignoring it because they can't make you, they can't force you to reroll. But some good things. Obviously, the brutes are a good option to bring some heavier firepower. They're 50 per. And then the snake, obviously, is the most expensive option for bringing in units. Uh, one, big, they come by themselves. It's a big giant uh, snake. 115. <laughs> but again, they draw a pretty good amount of, you know, heat based on what they can do. Yeah. So I find this to be a tougher, tougher decision on what to do. So my my limited experience, uh, such as it is with bikes, is yeah, they are great glass cannons. Yeah, you know they die just as easy as pretty much everything else in this game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if if you load up, you know, I, I conceptually I love the idea of having just a heavy cavalry type force for the union and yeah you could load up with tons of gatling guns and everything you could really rip through a lot of hands but there's so many hands that you're gonna take fire back and those bikes are going down and yeah. you're not you're just not gonna have that many of them because of the cost uh so that concerns me uh and then otherwise you're just going to your your line troops and you're just kind of matching off head to head with those line troops and uh the union doesn't get that choice to really bring all those varied types of units you know they're a little more limited in what they can bring yeah they can uh attach you know the missile launcher guy or the gatling gun guy to to those units but that's one guy in a unit you know, so I, I find uh, it a little more concerning when you look at the whole posse as opposed to the one-on-one matchup. Discuss. <laughs> no, I agree. It, it, it's not a clear as clear as the head-to-head. Yeah. Process because the, the this gets into the, I think, the balance of while we said as a game, it could go either way. There. Yep. Between these two posses, I mean, the the reason we picked these two to discuss is because this is a true, you know, to the last unit head to head. This this is a meat grinder versus massive forlorn throw them all in to die posse because it will probably play out that way. 
Well, yeah, I mean, basically, you've got the, yeah. you've got the meat grinder and you've got the meat. It's going to be a high uh, attrition battlefield, and the the key is again, it's going to end up being what superstar actions can occur, right? Obviously, if bad rolls, Custer's going to go down. I, I played Custer, and it's like lost him in the first turn. <laughs> you know, and obviously, if that happens, you're you're toast, and there's not much you're going to be able to do, especially against Meat Grinder. If you lose Custer too soon, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to auto correct yep. against Kyle, right? Yeah, because he, he's just going to be at that point, you know, with his options depending on how how things uh, work out. But I think it's very even, and it makes it a little more of a I, I think a fun. Right? Can you imagine? These two two posses would be literally a a knockdown, drag-out fight of who's going to be the last man standing. Right. And then it would come to the scenario. Yep. You know, which which style of units is going to be better at at securing the various different scenario points. Uh, Obviously, with Kyle the Black picking up Treasure Hunter, he has that one extra card to secure victory points, which could very well be the tiebreaker of the yeah. match. Right? Yeah. The ability to secure those extra victory points. I it mean, be, it would... it, it, it's great that the union has that option for speed with all the iron horses, but what good is speed to get out there, get those objective points, and then you're just sitting there like, you know, a shooting target, or not shooting target, but you're just sitting there waiting for that horde to get to you and then just start chewing into you. Right. Even, even more than that, the, the board is only so big. Um, you have a horde taking up half that board. How, how, much, is, how much is that speed helping Whether you? Whether it's your, your you, own or... <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you can't go anywhere. Yeah. You're like, like, where, where are you going to go with that speed without many guys? What you're at that point, you're just really looking at, you know, what special weapons do you have mounted? How well can you know can the union clear out uh, all those constructs before they start? You know, uh, their effectiveness starts getting getting chewed away. You know, through the through attrition. I I think that there's a little bit of a. Um, technology versus numbers that skews towards uh the union wants to hit first they have to hit first if they don't hit first they're going to get overrun uh in my opinion i i don't think that they are will hold up as well as the constructs because the constructs you have different things going on with them because kyle can bring them back Mm-hmm. They can, you know, they've. I, I think you said that you have to make your choice between tainted rolls and um, the Carpathogen roll. But th- the fact of the matter is, even as you're you're killing these things, uh, uh, some number of them are going to be coming back, still coming, uh, yeah. And 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 uh, where with the Union, as they lose guys, they're just gone. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it, it, it's so. I think in a in a true straight up attrition battle i don't think the union wins that as often as the enlightened would win that 
if you and so I, because of that, I think that the union has to try to skew towards things like bikes, uh, where they can put on flamers, where they can put on rockets, where they can put on you know Gatling guns, and try to get out there and get that first hit in and try to thin the numbers out right away to try to, to, to try to skew it back to their advantage because if they don't do I, I the way i see it if they don't do that up front then then it's just a matter of time before they get overrun and destroyed yeah all right so let's go over our picks so one-on-one i think i know where you stand tom <laughs> well it's custer <laughs> custer yeah custer this pains me to say, but I think I'm going to have to go with Custer um, one-on-one. It hurts. But but um, if we go posse, I think Kyle is majority of the time with his uh, his posse and the, the choices he has. I think he's going to take it Oh, majority of the times. If, if you want to say majority of the times being 51%, 49%, <laughs> I, I might side with you there. Um, I could, I could go with a that. Lot more, you have a lot more options with the Enlightened than uh, with the Union. Yeah. And, you know, as Brian said, a lot is going to come down to the scenario. And with that treasure hunter ability, there's a little bit of an advantage it, as far as the ability to generate victory points, uh, having that extra card, yeah, that I can't bring in a pure Custer posse. Frankly, I view the Custer posse um, almost as a secondary posse to other to some other posse that you're bringing. I think I think it you know does a nice job of one bring Custer who's very strong and then just filling out, you know, some troops and stuff. But, um, I don't love it as a prime, as the primary posse. I actually think that there's a lot of weaknesses there. I conceptually, I think it's awesome. I love the idea of, you know, just having this, you know, whole mounted cavalry unit. But I think the realities of the game are that that unit will get torn apart by a lot of things because you just don't have that many of, of them. I think when, when we had tried to build this out, you ended up with maybe 12 bikes, you yeah. know, 12 iron horses. And that's, that's just not was. a lot. That's, that's not a lot. Um, it sounds like a lot and you, yeah, it can do a lot of damage, but though they will start going down very quickly. Yeah. They're, the combat, the combat effectiveness of the posse as a whole will degrade, I think faster than the enlightened one will. So I might have to give the enlightened a slight edge, uh, in, <laughs> Man, and I see the, the pain in the in the posse, uh, in, in, in the in the posse fight. Luckily, showdowns are one on one. All right. Well, I'm going to go against the grain, and I'm going to say it all matters on how it's built, right? Yeah. And it the, the biggest problem with these two posses is there's so much flexibility with kyle's and with you know bringing all the like you said the extra weapons the you know the full hands units the the ability to go head to head for those two posses literally is going to come down to what options a player is going to be bringing right so i think it's more even than not yeah so it's all going to come down to the way the game is actually being played 
I actually am going to go 50-50. Oh, man. Coward. Coward. Uh, It's not really a coward thing. It's just there's no way to do that because they're they're so... There's a lot of variables with both these posses. Yes. Right. And they're designed to do exactly that. They are so balanced when they go head-to-head that it depends on what choices were made. Like, so if we said it was just strictly hands versus hands, so like Kyle could only bring his hand options and, and Custer can only bring his hands oh, options. I think that's clearly Custer, union. That's a Custer one. Absolutely. Right. When you go with the, the ability for Kyle to literally load up on a lot of his heavier hitting support options, that's what gives him the ability to then overpower the pure hands posse of customers, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, in well, re- realism, if you had to build with what you own, and I bring what I own with Custer, I'll probably beat you because you probably don't have as m- enough of the support options. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because I don't own any enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point. Is like so in, in actual practice. That's why it's more of a 50-50 because I don't think, you know, we can min-max a hard-to-beat Kyle meat grinder, right? But when you level out for points, it's that's how it's going to have – how Kyle's going to have to beat the union. Really, the union, is it's going to be standard, right? You'll probably bring at least one of the six uh, or maybe two of the six slots with Iron Horses. The rest are all going to be various hands. Whether or not you bring a couple of the armored hands and a couple of the regular hands, just so you can, you know, put more people in them uh, because they're cheaper. It's very static. I mean, there's not a whole lot of variations right there, right? With Kyle, that all the variety is there, but it all costs various different. Yep. You know, you, you don't know what they're bringing. Right. Um, so it could go either any way. Well, that that's why I said. I would say 51% to 49% because the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the advantage that I give to, like I said, the advantage that I give to the enlightened is that they have that extra card. So they have a, a, an extra um, opportunity to gain victory points. So that, that's why I skew it very slightly in their favor. Okay. So, well, we are definitely going to have to take this one to the polls then and see what the community says. Um, (laughs) And hopefully they don't just pick their favorites, but think about what we kind of discussed here and weigh the options. And um, maybe we'll see some comments about just just from experience, you know, of people playing these on the board. And in relation to our last poll, so our last showdown, we pitted – the Ghostbuster against the big old spirit, Raven Spirit, uh, Warwick Hudson and Raven Spirit. And from what it looks like is everybody is siding with uh, Ernie uh, on that showdown. So Warwick got the most votes with that one. Uh, 12 to 9 is what he got. So. Oh, that's not that big. It's not too big. Yeah, it's just a little bit. And I I don't know if that has anything to do with just he's kind of the new hotness, uh, you know, the Lost World posse. Yeah, that's where Warwick stands, and we'll have to go ahead and do a poll for Kyle and Custer and see what people think about that one. 
Yeah, we may we may have to set this one up someday and, and duke it out, see how it goes. And just have a, a like we said, a knockdown drag out fight. I th- I think it might have to happen one day. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, <laughs> I could see this happening. So we're going to be about three feet from the table, throwing dice on the table, just yelling and hollering and hooting. But you know we're gonna what? Have have, we're going to have to have a second table for dice because we're going to need so many freaking dice. <laughs> just to catch them, yeah. Like Brian said, this definitely would be a fun matchup because they are so even. So. You know, this this would be the kind of matchup where I would almost uh, each player would have an assistant just to help move the models <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. because it's going to be a long one. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll go ahead and get out of the smoke wagon for this episode. Make sure you guys look for the poll on our Facebook page, and I usually share it in the Dark Council too, so you guys can vote on it. And uh, we'll go ahead and move into the next one here. Alrighty, Wild West Exodusers, we are now jumping back into some rules. <laughs> After a few months, we've kind of talked about rules, but not in one of our official rules segments. So today, we're going to talk about dice yep. and all the rules that dice interact with. So we're going to start with, hey, what kind of dice does Wild West Exodus use? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about dice and talk about things that sometimes are overlooked or forgot about and wild west exodus uses one of my favorites i like 10-sided dice brian i did too i i I really enjoyed every time because it's a surprise when that's the dice you're going to be using so i was always intrigued by it and so yeah so to d10 is the nickname that it's common used in all the different games (laughs) for all you gamers out there or non-gamers i should say you know so it's one, it gives you more variety in the roles, right? Yeah. So especially if you're, uh, you know, that way you can do a little more balancing with the myriad of different, you know, models, right? Because on a D6, man, there's not much spread there, right? Yeah, yeah. Your chances of being successful are less. Right. So 10 also gives the game a really couple of unique features as well. And, of course, partly because it's a D10, there are times where you do what's called a D5, which is you roll a D10 and you divide by two, round up, you know, gives you the result. One of the things that's used for is uh, when your enlightened guys are yeah. being... When being, I, would, I get to bring them back. <laughs> you've got to roll a D5, right? So you roll and then you divide by two and round up and it gives you how many models step back up yeah. from the power being actually working. So those are simple things about the dice. One of the, <laughs> my most favorite thing about D10 and Wild West Exodus is when, in, when you're doing a blast, right? Okay. So when you use the blast, there's something called scatter. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. And Wild West Exodus has a very neat way of determining the direction of scatter, right? Some games you roll a dice and you, you, you look at a chart, and the chart tells you what number corresponds to what direction. Yeah, yeah. And that's clunky, right? So I thought it was ingenious that they just decided, no, roll the D10 near the model that the where this is going to land, and the pointy 
it's such a simple concept is an arrow of the direction this is going to to go to from the target location and it's and then it's also the number that you rolled so that's how many inches so yeah i mean it's such a simple concept elegant in the way it was and it's it's kind of it's neat right you can't do that with a d6 (laughs) no no there's no error so you 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 can't but with the d10 boom it unlocks this really neat elegant way of helping with it you know something that happens in the game where it's not going to make you jump into a book yeah and yeah it keeps the it like you just said you don't have to jump in the book so it keeps the the flow of the game quick and moving where yeah you don't have to put on pause and get pulled out of the game you know the 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 story you're telling right so those are some of the things what what else uh do dice oh, obviously the big one everyone knows is you can't re-roll a re-roll right yep yep <laughs> and some of the tricks of that is so say some of the powers that our models may have could cause a re-roll right so yeah. like i shoot you if you have shrouded it makes me re-roll my successful hit attack on you yeah yeah right well if i miss my original shot and i use fortune to re-roll now i do not have to re-roll based on your shrouded because i've already re-rolled and you can't re-roll you can't force a re-roll of the same roll yeah yeah right so and that also works both ways with like fatal like if you fail check of my shot and you're like oh crud i'm gonna have to use fortune to try to save him and then you pass my fatal shot doesn't cause you to not well, fatal you know and it kind of works uh, shot make you- in your favor in the sense uh for linked also like if right. you roll and you miss a whole bunch of them well you can re-roll those ones you missed and then your opponent can't force you to re-roll those ones you just did right so so yeah, that's that's a neat thing, and I think we have to bring up the whole mechanic they have in the dice with the critical misses and the critical hits, which usually brings some kind of effect in the game. Right. So, right. Yeah. So uh, one critical success. That's the obviously. that's the one you want. <laughs> right. That's the one you want. That's the one you like. You're searching for, right? And they use a symbol on the dice. So if you have Wild West Exodus dice, the number 10 is the the WX symbol, yeah. right? And that is the symbol for crit. So if you crit, um, obviously you can't make someone re-roll a crit. Yep, that's kind of the main thing right there. You can't force somebody to re-roll that. But then also they give you some kind of added bonus depending on the character's weapon right right so when you look at the the card under the weapon um slot you'll see the little w and x symbol and if you roll the those symbols on the buys that effect goes into effect yeah and that could be what like brutal or it could be brutal, yeah. uh stunned, stunned yeah a lot of the con- a lot of the conditions usually. So th- those trigger when you roll a uh, critical, and uh, and then the and other yeah, end was the don't have it. Yeah, just you, know, you just got well, a ten. Yeah, and it can't be you can't be forced to reroll. Yeah, 
Now the other end is the one, the the critical miss. All right. So if you look at the D10 that Volvo's Excess has, has it's appropriate. Not a one on it. It's appropriate symbol, isn't it? <laughs> right. It's a skull snake. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> So when making a check, a roll of one before modifiers is always considered a failure regardless of any bonuses. No unit common or special rule ability or effect can force a critical failure to be re-rolled. Furthermore, rolling a critical fail may trigger some additional effects on some weapons or rules which would clearly state it in the weapon profile or under special rule. So it's just basically saying, hey, you missed, and there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. common way for you to lose some of your favorite models on the board. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Auto fail of a grit check. That, that's what? That's basically the equivalent of him shooting himself in the foot, right? Trying to pull the gun out of his holster. <laughs> or that random uh, blast from that hands unit going through the visor of your heavily armored <laughs> yeah. tank. And he gets shot in the forehead and he crashes and the whole thing blows up. (laughs) He pulled a Luke Skywalker, in other words. (laughs) Just like them womp rats down in the canyon. (laughs) So those were kind of the basics. Were there any more basics with the the dice themselves? Right. So, you know, it's D10 to succeed in the type of actions that you're going to make. You're rolling the dice to do a success well to find out if your your role is successful you're looking for a target number yep and that number is it's always gonna be 10 yeah it's easy always trying to hit 10 and that lets you know that you've succeeded yeah right so you roll the dice and add the the stat that goes with the type of action that you're performing right and then there's a couple of reasons that you're rolling that have no corresponding. So it's just a flat roll you're trying to do. And so those are the times that you wouldn't have a stat to add. But for the most part, like if you're going to shoot someone, you're going to be adding aim, right? Yep. To see if you succeed. But shoot actions have other things that affect the roll as well. Yeah. So we're going to dive into that, right? So we're going to go do the shoot first, and then we'll go to the melee and then so you know, it's basically a refresher and a reminder of all the things that you're supposed to. The modifiers, dice modifiers, yeah. basically, is to what we're going to look subtract. at. Right. Add or subtract to the dice rolls, uh, and your goal is always going to be 10. Right? And, and some of these are things that you may want to do purposely to basically increase your your percentage, your positive chances of getting that 10 that we're talking about rolling. So, how about we go over positives? It's like positive things you would maybe look at wanting to do to up your chances. Right. So, if you're going to be shooting, obviously, always start with your aim. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's the first modif- positive modifier to the roll would be the character's aim. So, let's just go with, you know, Doc. He's got an aim of eight. And that's where we're going to start, right? Okay. So, already got a plus eight, trying to get to 10. So what other mod- positive modifiers could we add to that? Well, the first thing that I come, I think of is 
that hand of adventure cards you have where you have the the guts so you're going to look at guts on those cards that give you maybe uh, usually it's like a plus one right so you'd look for a plus one to aim so you can buff up your aim all suddenly you know to get to that 10 is a little bit easier now it's pretty easy one right yeah no yeah if it's in your hand and you're really wanting to not miss yeah you you play that card before you roll and boom you got a plus one and those work for the entire turn yeah which is good because the next way to add isn't quite as lengthy of a boom right so say that plus one's not enough so what else can you do you could focus if you focus the action you get to plus two to the the type of action so yeah. it's shoot action so you get plus two to the aim so now the eight becomes a 10 and a plus one from the grit card or yeah the plus one grit yeah, from you, the you can combine them the card and now we're we're at 11 yeah so we have plus 11 to the roll and we have to hit 10 now you would think hey we are we are there there's no way he's gonna miss yeah yeah but what do we have to now account for so now there's the negative modifiers. The negative modifiers. So the way the negative modifiers go, the first one that comes into play is long range. So is your yep. target beyond 12 inches? If it is, it's minus one. Yeah, that's that's an easy automatic. He's far away. He, you know, maybe he can't see so good because they didn't have good eye doctors back then in the Wild West. <laughs> Well, you're you know, lining a shot. It's a little harder to do. Maybe it's a windy uh, day. Yeah, it's harder to do. And um, obviously, there are special abilities that ignore long range. Mm-hmm. So that would be a, a, a like a Frank, if you like Frank James. Exactly. He can. He's a sharpshooter, so he's he can ignore stuff like that. Right. He's got long shot. It allows him to ignore the long range. So the next thing is targeting someone who's engaged in combat if you're shooting in and you're trying to support one of your models who's in hand-to-hand with uh you know ghost wolf yeah he needs help right so but it's a risky shot but doc has plus he's got plus uh plus uh, 11 to the roll yeah so he's gonna subtract four from the aim so that's a penalty or shooting into a crowd trying to pinpoint that that target right so minus four to the aim if that initial target is engaged the penalty does not include any additional obscure penalties caused by models blocking line of sight to the target engaged in combat furthermore if a critical failure is rolled when making the shot the hit is instead resolved against the closest model to the initial target within three inches there's no other model within three inches the shot simply misses but there is a chance of, of models your opponent chooses yeah. Which is it. Okay, so there's a risk. That's that's a risk that has bit me in the butt many times. <laughs> Remember we talked about critical failures? A critical failure can trigger something else. Well, this is one of those examples. So if you are shooting into an engaged uh, target, there's a possibility if you do roll that one, yeah, you're shooting your buddy in the back. Yeah. So, Oops. So, uh, right. So remember, it said this doesn't, the four, minus four is just for the engaged combat you still have to account for what they mentioned as obscure penalty. So that's the next penalty. Yep. 
So here's what obscure means. Suffer a minus one to your aim attribute attribute for each. For each. That's the one that a lot of people forget. Each model or terrain feature directly between the shooter and the target. Yep. So that's where some people skim depending on how they want to fly loose or get specific. <laughs> but for instance, if you're shooting into into combat and your your buddy who's engaged to it is between you and the target, so there's he's a minus one penalty for the obstruction. Yeah, there's one right there. That model counts. <laughs> so it makes it another minus. Right? For instance, Doc is shooting in that one model is an oops. It it's a minus, so that's another minus. So we're at what well, we were at eleven minus four. That's at seven. Now we're at six. Yeah, it knocks it down pretty darn quick. Now let's just say there's a bush between you and the engaged <laughs> model. That's another minus. Now we're at five. Okay, and that's where you're going to have to make your roll. Yeah. So it's very important especially when you can move before shooting. So you can maybe line up, maybe move to the side so you can clear yeah, exactly. the obstruction or run up to the obstruction. Cause then now it's, if it's base to base with you, it's not considered for obstruction because it's, you're now adjacent to it. Yeah. Yeah. So over it. So those are some of the things to consider when you're it's kind looking of a- at your, Kind of a think of it this way, something, a, a nice idea to do is to actually get down there, eye level, and kind of try to see what your model that's shooting is seeing. So then you get an idea, well, he's at that more or less street level. Well, he's got this bush, he's got this tree, this fence, you know, whatever's kind of in his line of sight. Like you said, if you can move first to clear some of that out of your way, that's a good practice to do. What you do is you take your base size from the shooter and you run parallel lines from both sides of his base. Yep. A corridor. To Anything that obstructs that line. Yeah. Is an obstruction. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be completely in the way. It just has to intersect those lines. Yeah. And it's considered an obstruction. And it's enough. And that's enough to cause the minus one. Yep. Yep. Or everything in between. Now, say you're like Mac. And what does Mac love doing? He makes this huge oh, yeah. terrain extravaganza and he puts the little pebbles uh, and dirt and uh, little kind of things all over your board. Are we talking about those things? Well, maybe. Depends on that first conversation you and your opponent have. Right? Yeah. You're talking about terrain. Hey, what counts as terrain versus just the the aesthetic that we put on exactly this board, right? exactly so, you know you have a tumbleweed just for flavor might not be considered an actual obstruction so you would say those things in the beginning it was like hey yeah these pebbles don't count yeah uh you know these crates do this fence does this tree does um we've got this lake template in the middle of the board does not cause an obstruction because it's flat and yeah you know, it wouldn't interfere for a shooting, right? So you got to d- decide those things, right? Yeah, because you don't want to try and decide those in the heat of the moment because then 
you know, it may benefit one player versus the other one. You you kind of want to have that stuff predetermined. And once you went one way, stay that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, be consistent. But so that's the, the the ballpark. You know, it's and what's neat about it is really a simple system. There's not a whole lot of modifiers. Yeah. Right. We have a couple on the positive side. We have a couple on the negative side. Special abilities, obviously, are going to be on your model's card. And that would also give you the heads up if there's going to be something else that would affect yeah. the world yeah. of the die. Now, for we were talking about shooting. So these things kind of apply the same way to melee, too, right? It's just they're maybe a little bit different. You don't have to worry about the long distance, obviously, with melee. There's a, there's a little different ones. Uh, but before we jump to that, let's go ahead and take time. To retouch on Mast Fire. Okay. Mast Fire is a rule that was designed to speed up me using 10 hands. Yeah. And all of them shooting. Because in the old way, before we had Mast Fire, each model had to draw a line of sight. Each model had to calculate obstructions. And then they all rolled. Well, the obstructions could be different. Yeah. So as you're rolling all 10 of these dice, it slowed everything down. So Mass Fire specifically was designed. So you you pick one model, you use his obstruction. Yeah. Right? Everything else is the same. All the models have to be in line of sight. All the models have to be in range. Yeah. But one guy is the one who's calculating the obstructions. It speeds it up, right? Can you think? I've got a 10-model hands unit, 10 different rolls. It could be 10 different. Calculations, yeah. Right. So, no, we're not doing that. That takes too long. It slows it down. But now I got to go do is pick one guy. He's got a line of sight. I'm going to pick the one of the 10 who's got the least amount of instructions, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, it's going to be little Johnny on the end because he's only got one obstruction versus all these others got two, three, some maybe even more. And then, boom, it's just one calculation. You roll all the dice at the same time and you do the grit checks at the end. Right? Which is which is fun to shake a whole handful of dice and just throw right. them out. Bam! <laughs> but that's that's the reason we got mass fire. It was to speed up using hands because a lot of people weren't using them because it's like, oh, this is a skirmish game. I don't want to use all these hands. It takes yeah. forever to roll them. Well, now there's a way we sped it, sped it up, right? And, of course, mass melee is the same way. It's, yeah. Now, here, here's a, a question uh, for for you and for the listeners. Um, now, say you have in that hands unit a guy with a special weapons issue. That that's going to be a separate. Done separate. Right. Right. Okay. Right. And say okay. So because you're allowed to do special weapons based on an, an ability, right? Uh, experienced or specialist or those type of things. It yeah. gives you the ability to as you reach different milestones in the building of that unit, you can pick up one or maybe a second one if you fill it out completely. Yeah. If you do, and the two heavy weapon guys you add to the unit have the same special weapon, mass fire would trigger for them, and they would be a second mass fire in that unit. In the right? same unit, yeah. All the other guys would go, then the two Gatlins would mass fire together. So one would calculate the obstructions. The second one would just add the rate of fire. In a way, it's like you got to think about it. It's like, what are the weapons in this group? Just group that up. 
kind of think of it that way. Okay. So, strike. So we go with the strike. Obviously, D10, you're still looking for the target of 10 or higher. Yep. Instead of using the aim, you're going to be using fight. Yep. So let's just say we're going to we're going to go with uh, Jedrick Powell. He's going to use his stun batons. He's got to fight a six. So, or six or seven. That'd <laughs> 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 be nice. <laughs> Here we go. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my my desk is a mess. Uh, okay, so so hey, you got five to six. That's your starting point, and same as the shoot, there's a glory card yep. with the guts modifier of plus to fight. Yep. So if you have that card in your hand, and you want to make sure you give yourself a little extra boost, you play that, and now for the entire activation, he's going to have a plus one to his fight. Yep. So some of these are kind of the same thing. You can still play the cards. Yep. Um, what else did we say? Uh, focus. focus. You can still focus whether it's through an action point or fortune chip. You know, one of the his fortunes that he has. And then, of course, abilities. So these are all kind of the same thing uh, that can modify it. Now, so, is there anything different, though? Like uh, anything that would be a, a negative being a melee? Because, I mean, we're not, we don't have the whole intervening terrain and cover to worry about. So, Obstruction is not one of the modifiers for melee. It's just not one of the ones listed. And of course, it's assuming that most combat is happening base-to-base, or in the rare event, you have someone who has a longer range with their melee weapon, Mm -hmm. so you're talking maybe an inch. It's very hard to get terrain into that gap. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, but there is, it does have its own negative modifier and it's called hunker a unit that has the hunker condition receives a minus one penalty to these strike actions so if you are hunkered say you you know you your first attack you hit but they used uh veteran instincts and hit you and you you quicken the dead because you didn't want to get hurt so you end up being hunkered well now you're hunkered in the middle of your action yeah. And instead of, you know, walking it off using some of your fortune immediately because it's your activation, which you can do is immediately walk it off and get back up. Yeah. But maybe you don't want to waste that fortune. You can suffer this one minus one from being hunkered while attacking. Yeah. It just means that you're defensive, but still attacking. You're just not as good. So it's a minus. Basically, it's like you're. You're because hunkered is like you're ducking down, taking a knee or ducking. So it's kind of like you're still down in that, you know, that hunched over type of position. So it, 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 could, it could be prone. It, it really is a cinematic way to describe the various things that would put you at a disadvantage in combat. Yeah. Yeah. Or an advantage because being hunkered is also an advantage on the defensive side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it would only be like a negative for you if, like you said, you're the one that's doing the strike. Right. Okay. I think that's all I can think of for uh, fighting. Yeah, that's we covered them. I don't think there's anything else, right? Um, there there are some like effects that 
a change your dice rolls, but it usually works through the, the attributes, right? So like all the conditions okay. can affect attributes in a different way, which then overall would lower your, your dice rolls. Okay. But I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it, Brian. I mean, we just, this is just like a little kind of short, kind of refresher look at the whole dice mechanics and dice modifiers that, well, like, you know, we talked about intervening terrain. It's something that sometimes, because you're in the heat of the moment, you forget to take account each piece right. that's in the way, uh, including, you know, guys. Right. I mean, that's one that gets forgot about a lot. And then uh, the positives. I mean, I don't know how many times I have cards in my hand and I set them down because I'm focused on reading a stat card. And then after you do the action, it's like, oh, man, I had a plus one for what I just did. (laughs) So, I mean, this was just we wanted to kind of just give it a kind of a little bit of an in-depth look just to... you know, for new players to think about this stuff when they're playing and just a reminder for even, you know, veteran players that I think a, a good, like, if I was going to, like, give a, a hint or a suggestion to somebody is just to slow down. <laughs> you know, think think about it because they're not, it's, it's not hard calculations. It's just sometimes you forget that you have these options. Right. Uh, so one of the other things, uh, obviously, I just dawned as we were just discussing that the modifiers for the defensive side of attacks. Oh, yeah. So we could, we could talk about those. So obviously, if you get hit, you have to roll a grit check to see what the outcome of that hit was. Some special abilities actually trigger on hit, but the most of them trigger on the failure of the grit check. Yeah. So... What kind of modifiers are we looking at for trying to survive a hit? Well, we mentioned hunkered as being a one positive for you to survive. Right. So if you're hunkered, you gain plus one to your grit attribute because you're harder to hit. Yep. You're being defensive, and that gives you that bonus, right? Another positive add to your grit check would be obscure. You receive a plus one to your grit attribute for each of terrain or unit that the line of sight from the enemy crosses. So, obviously, when you're calculating because you're shooting, that is the same number of subtractions that your target gets on top plus to his grip. Yeah. Yeah, so if you manage to hit him after, you know, you're counting those against your aim, well, then he gets to count it for his grit check. And a lot of people, this is another sometimes forgotten boon for who you're shooting. Yeah. So definitely something to remember. Try not to forget. You get plus one per obstruction yeah. all the way down. And then there's a negative modifier for grit checks. And that would be the pierce value of the weapon. Yeah. Being subtracted from the grit check. And that's, so that's right. And that'll be different for the each weapon depending on what the weapon is different so they range from zero which means no penalty Mm -hmm. all the way up to i think five currently i think five might be the highest one listed um i mean and of course you can 
there's ways that you can modify even that. There are special abilities that do increase the, the pierce value. To name a few, there's uh, forced, forced Strike. Uh, the Creation Rule allows them to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Attuned yeah. uh, allows you to use your mind, half of your mind, as, uh, as a pierce value. Yeah. So there, there's, a, there's a couple that boon your, your pierce into something that's even better, something to consider. Especially if you know your unit has it, you want that you obviously want those things to trigger in the game. Yeah. So, so I think that's it. All right, I think that's it. Yeah, a lot of this is just it's about thinking about how can I modify my dice to make my chances of getting to that ten greater. But yeah, that was our our little look at dice and the, all the modifiers for it. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Well, guys, that's going to about do it for this episode. But before we get out of here, we have some more for you. News, 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 news. All right, for some new releases we got. So we already mentioned this in today's episode, but we have new posse set, the meat grinder coming out with Kyle the Black. Um, I know you, you're very fond of this one, Brian, just the name. <laughs> and then we also have last year's uh, show promo, Jadzia, on her little... What what kind of bike was that again? That was um, tread bike. A, a tread bike. So Jadzia on her tread bike is now available in the store as like a regular... Um, Jadzia? Does, does she have a last name? Yeah, she, she does, but I, I am not saying it. I'm waiting for one of you guys to say it. Because I know how my tongue wants to say it. Yeah. Brian, what, what, do you, what do you say, Brian? Brian says it right, I think. Well, okay, I can get really close when I have, like, the, the verbiage in front of me. <laughs> but it's been a long time since I've actually had to say your name. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm going to defer to the guy who knows the name of the bridge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but apparently, apparently the bridge is pronounced differently than... <laughs> than oh, yeah, that's is. true. I did, didn't I? Then I pulled up the, the actual Polish yeah, pronunciation, the, and it was different the, than the bridge. <laughs> the the Kosciusko Bridge. See, even hearing you say it, I can't say it. <laughs> but going back on the meat grinder so that's like i said that's kyle the black his new posse set and that's for the the enlightened um that's kyle and then you get a bunch of hands in there um and then jedzia oh, well, that's not it. Hey, what wait. Else? oh wait i forgot what how did i forget him yeah i know so, i'm just so focused on the uh the undead <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Right. So there's two reasons people are going to be buying that posse set. The first reason is because it's Kyle the Black and you get 15 hands in that box set. Yeah. But then there's a, the lawmen, the people who are playing lawmen, are going to buy that set solely to get the other face in the box. Yeah. And that is Virgil Earp. New sculpt. And he's got new pose. Yeah. Yeah, new, new sculpt. It's it's mainly just a different pose, but it's it's cool. It looks great. Yeah, it's a really uh, nice sculpt. So 
there are going to be a lot of Kyle the Blacks and menials like up on eBay. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. Yeah, especially the menials. So, uh, does does that give you guys any kind of a pause? So that concerns me a little bit. Does that mean we're going to start seeing doubles of guys start showing up in posse boxes? Because what happens when that tombstone box comes out? You no, can't have see, a tombstone box oh, oh. without Virgil. Yes, you can, because there are two other brothers that we do not have models for. Okay. A, a, a wife and a brother are going to be in that box. So, you, you, you know, you have to remember there are other people that are going to label that. So... You will not see a Virgil in Revenge of the Herbs, or it was that what it was called? Revenge of Tombstone, or that has it been announced? I didn't know that it had been announced. I know Stuart mentioned what what he called it. He like put it out about what it's called, and and the boss in that posse box is not Wyatt. Huh. It's been a while since he's mentioned that, but yeah. So this Tombstone box. It's going to be full of tombstoners, but it, it it's likely not going to be. It won't have Wyatt in it. It's not going to have Doc in it because they already have them, mm-hmm. right? In the the red of, and it's not going to have Virgil because he's already in this other box. And uh, it won't see, be Morgan that, because Morgan that's already. So to you know me, that is that I I hear what you're saying. That is a tough thing to swallow to for me so you're telling me now for me it doesn't matter i already have them all so so but but from a conceptual standpoint uh if i want to play a tombstone posse now i'm gonna have to buy armored justice i'm gonna have to buy whatever the new tombstone box is gonna be i'm gonna have to go get meat grinder which i don't give a crap about enlightened you know what i mean like to me that that is actually a little concerning to me you're assuming that the box can't play on its own. You know what I mean? I mean, because you're going to have, what, six models in the box? No, no, no. It's not about it playing on its own. It's about being able to gather all of those uh, kind of iconic characters together. They've now been spread out over a large number of boxes. You're talking about four different boxes, if you're including the Red Oak set, that you have to be if you want to bring these guys together. Because you've got White and Red Oak, you've got Morgan and Armored Justice. Now you've got Virgil and Meat Grinder, which isn't even a lawman posse. I, that actually, that one, that that one actually concerns me a little bit. Well, if you're a lawman fan, you're probably going to be getting those anyway. You know, I know what you're saying though. If you're somebody new like, new coming in, that's an awful lot you have to get if you want those. Right, exactly. I mean, it doesn't affect me personally, as I already have all those models. But as a new player, if all of a sudden, you know, let's face it, um, those lawmen from Tombstone are pretty famous. There, there, yeah. there is some some built-in cachet there that makes you want to get those and bring those together. And having them spread out over that many boxes is is concerning to me as as uh, someone who plays lawmen. Even though I don't need them, uh, I if for a new lawman player, that could be very off-putting. Well, here's a thought. I have I have some thoughts of stuff like they could do, and like Brian kind of mentions that you know for players that want to run that tombstone list, you know, this posse coming out, more than likely they'll have that keyword, so you can use them. 
But I'm thinking that, it, one, they could always do an alternative sculpt. So then there may be two Wyatts, or Wyatt would be probably the main, if they're going to do an alternative sculpt, it would be of him. And the other idea I had was the secondary market, you know? People are going to see that same problem like you see, and they're going to start splitting these boxes up and, and selling pieces. That That's the thought that I have about that issue. Right. I, I'd almost rather see the secondary sculpt. I think I would, too. I, I, I don't like the idea of having to plan for the secondary market. Um, but, but, uh, an alternative sculpt to me would be very appealing. Yeah. It, it kind of, I think then it would make people want to get those, both of those so they could have the two different versions, you know, you know, he's kneeling in his original sculpt. Maybe they'll stand them up. I still don't have that kneeling sculpt actually. <laughs> I only have this, I only have the standing hiding behind the shield sculpt. Okay. And I got a kneeling in the red box or the red oak box. Uh, but I chopped mine up. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, the kit basher. Yeah. I chopped him up to put him on a bike. Yeah. So like I immediately dismembered him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which, which is kind of cool. Cause someone did the same with legendary Wyatt. Yeah. And put him on a black hoof. A black hoof. Yep. Oh, that'd be cool. Well, that's what I did with my old Marcus. I chopped him up. Put him on an iron. Put him on an iron horse, yep. Nice. But, all right, and then, so, and that other one we mentioned was Jadzia, and she is the new promo model, like I mentioned, or not, she's the old promo model, but she's now available retail, and she is uh, one of our Lost World Exodus models. So she is Outlaw, and then... What was she, or what is she going to be for Lost World, Brian? Do you remember? Uh, the Prussian Imperium. Imperium. Okay, that's right. So just a little bit of a preview type character for She's Lost like World. One of, the, one of the specialists of the, the Wing Tassar tread bike yeah. core. I've used her once or twice in an outlaw posse, and... She's pretty nasty, so if she's nasty in Wild West, I can only imagine what she's going to be like in Lost World. Yeah, I had to play against her in a lawman posse, and she tore some stuff apart before <laughs> I was able to take her out. She really did a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's cool that she's out now, that if you guys didn't catch her last summer or in the past year at different cons, you can get her, just order her now. And then we move on to the new promo model for this year we 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 pretty much everybody's seen it by now uh it's theodore roosevelt on a dinosaur and that's also lost world exodus well okay you got an asterisk on a dinosaur on a raptor (laughs) because it's not actually a dinosaur it's a neo-evolutionary Oh, animal that he's... has very similar characteristics of the dinosaur. <laughs> so it's basically it's too much to on. say. Yeah. It's a dinosaur. It's basically <laughs> Brian could have said Teddy it. Mutant. Mutant would have been fine too. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, he, he's now from this point forward going to be known as Dino Teddy. <laughs> Dino Teddy. And uh, yeah, so this is the new show model and because of the state of all our different conventions now 
War Cradle went ahead and made him available at this point through the end of Gen Con, which right now is our only convention that's going to be going right now. But sadly, uh, PAX is November, so that should be still going too. But sadly, he's sold out. (laughs) He sold out, I think, uh, in less than a day of Adepticon, you know. That's that's when he got revealed was the weekend of Adepticon, which didn't go. So that's yep. why they've made him be continually available because there's no conventions to get to right now. Yeah, and I, either there's a lot of people who want to play Teddy, or they printed ten of them. Um, I, I'm I'm thinking a lot of people want to play Teddy. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Cause... Yeah, they printed more than ten, and evidently they put a few they. The other day, they, they, I guess, found some that they hadn't sold. So they up and put more in the store, like, I think a couple of days ago. It wasn't many. Yeah. They're likely all gone now, too. Yeah. Yeah. I I have patience. I mean, I, it's a cool model. I, for the factions that I play, he ain't going to get on the table because he's union and he has agents. So he can play with the lawmen, but the certain posses and the enlightened. And how is he playing with the enlightened? What keyword is does he have? Well, the enlightened agent. has a posse that has the six slot can be any agent. Oh. Is that is that the Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters, yeah. Or, yeah. Who are also all agents. Yep. That's true. So there's three there are three posses that currently that have he the could six possibly slot. go in. Wow, now he's now he's gonna hit your table. You still have that patience? He might, but you know what? I don't even have that posse, so <laughs> I, I am I am close to ordering that posse. Yeah, pulling the trigger. Yeah. I mean I have like I kept the... being told to, to hold off until the next Friday. So it was like every Friday I like <laughs> Next Friday. Next Friday. See if I could find one. Yeah. <laughs> And then I, I like put it in the cart, and then I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna order this." And then my wife was like, "Oh, can't you wait till next week?" <laughs> Man, wow. Well, Brian, why don't you make yeah. a deal with your wife that at, when you have no gray plastic left on your table, then you can buy more? Oh, that'd be a while. I've seen his <laughs> desk. <laughs> <laughs> no, he paints fast. He paints fast. And I, I've seen <laughs> Brian doesn't look too happy. No, he doesn't at all. <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face is like, "Shut up, Tom." <laughs> and we've so seen a lot you. of a lot of people painting this model, well, and posting it up. Fan of the podcast, she's not going to ever hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of cool people posting their their pictures of teddy already online and uh seeing everybody's take on the the like the feathers of uh the dino that he's riding is interesting to see you know how you paint them Uh, i've seen everything from rainbows to uh like the solid colors so it's it's definitely one one of those models that you can really paint up in a lot of different ways it looks really good for dipping. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big. That's a big jar or can that you're gonna have to do that yeah. in. Yeah. One of the neat, one of the neater things is because of how the lore of the Lost World is is basically built. 
on the idea that a terraform incident is occurring. Mm-hmm. So all these creatures are being created at an accelerated rate, right? So they're all just a little bit weird. So as they reveal more and more of these weird creatures that are going to be different from the corrupted creatures we see in Wild West Exodus. So these will be a little bit different. They'll be naturally occurring based on the environment churning the evolutionary, you know, track. Yeah. Yeah. So you literally can go anywhere with how this dinosaur looks. Like we've seen some green scales, but there's no logic to that. It could literally, you could go anywhere with the colors. Yeah. I saw someone use some of those new color shifting paints. Yeah. And so the scales are all purple, sort of. Yeah. (laughs) Because as you turn the model, then you'll see a little green in it and a little, little blue. And it, it, that's, that's cool, you know, and why wouldn't it, you know, there's, There's a little that, twist to it. it have that to be- reminds me of. Do you remember? Um, God, I think it was. Was it Paul Plunge who had the King Scarab, but he painted it with yes. nail polish? Yeah, like color shifting nail polish. And I was like, Oh my God, yeah. that thing came out looking awesome because of it. Reminds me of that. Um, yeah, and, and, and like, did somebody with a painting group see his thing and say? Ooh, we can do color paints if if the pretty nails can do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. is that what triggered them to do it? Maybe. Yeah, who knows? It. Might as well dude, get gamers to buy an actual painting color shift instead of having to get the the nail polish. Know, nail polish. Yeah, that's because I, I I had I had never seen it before then. I neither. I I, I thought it was ingenious. And, and it's so simple. He said he literally didn't do much to it. It's not like he, he didn't need to do any highlighting because the whole effect was the weird twisting and stuff of the shifting colors. And it just worked. It was it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, definitely was. So I, I now I'm kind of interested to look into that color shifting paint. Who makes that? <laughs> uh, there's quite a bit on the market now. Um, there's a couple of different brands, but Vallejo makes some now. Yeah. So if you're a Vallejo primary user that that's that's one way to get them you just get theirs all right well in other news so this is kind of sadder news uh delays so because of the state of the world and with corona and everything kind of being a lockdown a lot of the like production plants and factories are uh, shutting down their warehouses and whatnot so War Cradle actually has delays on, okay, let's see. So Dystopian Wars is one of the victims of this. Tommy's so, Bill and Ted is being slowed no, down. Because they they delayed it like like February. They That's when they announced, hey, our plan was to to push Dystopian Wars out. Yeah. You know, during the Epticon. And that can't happen because some of the production is halted yeah and yep. that was in china so it was like whatever china was helping them produce caused dystopian wars to delay until china can get back to work but then as that virus spread it then interfered with a bunch of other things war cradle was trying to work because yeah. then war cradle had to shut down and so i think they pushed dystopian wars back as far like tentatively until the fall yeah 
And, and we don't know about the other stuff like the Bill and Ted and uh, yeah. and Mythos even, I think, is being so affected. Past, so Mythos was, I guess, an odd horse because they have several sets that they had already had production ready. Yeah. Right? So with that, they they kind of like just said, okay, well, we have someone on, on hand. We'll just be shipping them. That's, right. That's why we still had like stuff this month yeah so there's out. there is a pre-order uh, for mythos so that's, I, I so the the because they did the trades trade box right so that was four sets but mm-hmm. they only released two to the public yeah right then they released one of those trade boxes like the month after and now they're instead of the other trade box that they didn't release already they're actually releasing a different set that was ready. So they had stock. So they yeah. just go ahead and ship it out. That's the path right. of Horizon. Yeah. Yeah. So that was released now and people are receiving it as you listen to this. Uh, so they, they have that other trade box that you can only get through the trade bundle that they haven't released to the public. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be next month Yeah, because they already have boxes of it because they had to ship it out with the trade bundle. So, uh, right. They'll they'll be able to do that another month of release for. And I I think that's the only thing they've posted up for pre order, right? I haven't seen anything for well Wild West Exodus. Um, I I don't think anything they hoped to be able to. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think there is anything else, and, and that's if, just because yeah. they haven't been able to spin any spin any resin. So yeah, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, there's talk with things getting going soon again. Or on a limited, limited workforce type thing, uh, we can. Right. So as soon as UK relaxes the the essential list, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they they allow shipping and stuff like that to be part of essential. Yeah. So that's why the actual war cradle warehouse is able to ship things. It's just on the production end that's not considered production of models and toys is not considered essential. Yeah. I disagree. (laughs) I disagree with that ruling. (laughs) That's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for that to unlock and it only makes sense. They have a limited number of of people in the office doing the things that they can do. Uh, In the meantime, they have some of their staff able to do stuff at home. So yeah, one of the things they are able to do from home is promote the next game to go into beta. Yes, that's right. So we've just seen that this week. Right. So just this week, they went ahead and unveiled the next game in the War Cradle Studios lineup. And of course, it's it's a Spartan license they picked up. And Mind you, most of the Spartans had their own fans, and so there are probably hundreds and hundreds of, you know, super fans of this game that are, like, eagerly anticipating, you know. They, oh, they yeah. were they told this is going to be a couple of years, but now it's likely to be next year. Yeah. Which yeah. is good news, right? So I'll say the game, since since I missed this, because I've been working like crazy this week, I've seen nothing. That. <laughs> um, so it's, it's another ship battle game, but it's not set in the dystopian age. It is called Firestorm Armada, and yeah. it, it's a like 
capital warship yeah. battle game. And they've been sneaking out, you know, actual sketches of the main fleet over the last couple of days. The on the new official guess, Facebook uh, group. Page group. Yeah, fan page. Uh, yeah. Um, they they actually, I guess, contacted the last the the Firestorm Armada had a Facebook group and they contacted the, the runner of that group and was like, Hey, you want you wanna help build the official one? And of course that guy was like, What would he what could you say? He said I think it was probably like, Hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> They created the new title. I think it was like the like Black Storm or something. Black Storm uh, or Black Space. Which is which is, I believe, kind of an homage to the original page, right? Yeah. So it, yeah. it, 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 it was a way of nodding to what came before, uh, the Black Ocean. Black Ocean, okay. So they created the Black Ocean, uh, Firestorm Armada, official Facebook. And yeah, I, um, as soon as I saw that, my local player, Chris, who's been on the show, he, he said that used to be his bread and butter back in the day, so he's been anxiously waiting for war cradle to do something with this license since they you know they they bought up the ips from spartan uh like dystopian wars and armor clash and stuff because he says he still has you know hundreds of these models from when spartan still had it and he he says one of those games that um you know he just couldn't get rid of the models because they are so cool very much like all the old players that played dystopian wars they all have, you know, still have all their old models. So they're waiting for the games to come out that they can break out these, you know, out of storage and start using them again. So, yeah, I think it, timing-wise, it was the right time. Yeah, and, and you can jump into the group and see people are starting to post their old and share, you know. Yeah, all their old pictures. they had, you know, and yeah. it, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so that's exciting to see uh, them doing that a little bit earlier than what, you know, I, I guess that they planned, but I think that's really cool. All right, we mentioned it before that some of our cons coming up this summer, a lot of them have been canceled. Uh, you know, sadly, Adepticon was canceled, and then just this week, UK Games Expo has kind of been shifting a lot in the last couple of weeks. They've been they postponed it for one date and then they postponed it again. And I guess the 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 people behind it, uh, looking at logistics and everything, they said that uh, time frame wise, it just was going to be so tight that they um, to get you know to get what they needed in place and stuff, they went ahead and canceled it for this year. So that's uh, you know another victim of our cons and uh, the next big show. It would be Gen Con for for War Cradle to go to, and that's still kind of up in the air yet. Uh, so keep your fingers crossed, I guess, to to see that still happen. Uh, hopefully, it does. I think it's late enough in the summer with them lifting the stay at home, you know, and um, just having only essential things open that maybe they'll still go. I know the city sure needs it in Indianapolis <laughs> and there, and I'm sure there's a lot of vendors and, you know, different game companies that want that to still happen. Right. 
but we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens with the, the coming months. It seems like it's a different story every week for our, our little hobby world. I think that's all we have for news, guys, and for this episode. So we, we could probably go ahead and close out the show. As always, you guys, if you had any questions, feel free to email us at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com. You know, you can always find us on the different interwebs like, uh, you know, the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTubes, MySpace, Friendsters. No, not really. Friendster? <laughs> I'm like, wait, didn't I die? I threw that out to see if you guys <laughs> would catch like, those. <laughs> start doing TikTok. Oh, no. <laughs> I wow. think I would be lost. You know, I probably still have a MySpace thing, but I don't know if you can even log into it. I don't even think it exists anymore either. Um, I think they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys... Probably can, app. Yeah, it probably <laughs> is. Go ahead and check out us at all those places, you guys, and um, you know, see what we got going on. With that, I guess we're done for this episode, guys. You guys got any last quotes for everybody out there quotes yeah no no quotes <laughs> quotes <laughs> but but tom you're always good for quotes they always end up in the outtakes my life's not just one big meme <laughs> uh we'll quote you on that <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks for listening guys and you know, we'll talk to you next time. And remember to ride with the sun at your back and always roll those big crits. This is Eric saying, take it easy and we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Wear your masks, people. Be socially distant. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Six feet, six feet. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Some, someone, someone's got a, a pro enlightened bias, even though they're no. scum sucking <laughs> pieces of garbage. Okay, but, here you know. I'll, I'll rectify that. He does have a nice stash. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the best stash in the game. Oh my god, he does. <laughs> hey, what about Wyatt? Why well, think it's, it's, I don't nope. know. Custer's still better. Yeah, I think Custer's uh, beats Wyatt. I, I don't think, think Custer has a stash. He's got a mustache and he's got uh, his little, chin fur. His goatee. So, yeah, that, that's all stash. That, that's all no, part of stash. It's not. It, it, it gets its own different name. No. Oh, man. No. <laughs> you see Custer sitting there, you know, a little big horn. He's like, who wants a mustache ride? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's one on the back of the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, that's one in the back. <laughs> Holy cow! I gotta write that one down. What's the timestamp on that one? Twenty-one something. Oh man, that was good. How come everything I say gets cut and put into the end? Because it's, it's gold. Because <laughs> it's not fit for the regular people. Those <laughs> are the ones I want to stick around for punishment. That's uh, yeah. They want to hear what stuff you're gonna say that I'm gonna cut and put at the end. <laughs> hey, hang around for whatever stupid crap Tom says. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes again. Oh man, man! You know what? I'm looking at Custer's card. He's got some sweet ass curly hair too. He's a he's a beautiful man. I mean, that almost rivals Wild Bill's luscious locks. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> uh. You know, my phone almost died, and then I was like, I'm sitting in front of a computer. <laughs> I'm like, why don't, why don't I just move the headphone plug over there? <laughs> yeah, I noticed it, it flicker when uh, Brian was talking. It Like when we had a blue screen, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know if I said that out loud, but I'll, I'll hear it if I did. Yeah, I saw him go silent, and then once once the his his uh, icon became the square, second half of my screen, I was like, oh, he's plugging into, I thought, maybe tablet. <laughs> no, if you remember, the tablet doesn't work anymore. For some reason, it just comes up as the, the weird lines. Your, your, your adult television. Exactly. <laughs> Squigglies. Uh, but I I um I cleaned up 